got 10 NFTs now. I, I, I would like to see her work. Now I'll, uh, I'll, t- I'll try and take a picture in PTR in this room. But wait a second, is that the new sugar now? <laughs> what? Seriously, NFTs? NFTs? Like, you know, sugar and cereal. They give you NFTs in cereal and they get them addicted. <laughs> Dude, it's I'm a cool dad. I'm not dad, that, I'm not dad that everyone envies in school. Tyler, I was actually trying to pin you in a room. There was a very, there was a bunch of Japanese NFT artists because it's um, Japan's crypto, uh, NFT crypto art week. It's crypto art week in Japan. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of Japanese artists that are all in this room under the Ventures house. It was super cool. I tried to pin you in. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how the Japanese, uh, Oh my Innovate God, around. Happy. One guy gave up his job. He's going to go work full-time crypto. <laughs> they're, uh, they're super excited, especially with the pixel art that they're super, super known for in the subculture of Japan. Yeah, it could be one of the global hotspots for NFT art due to I, all I of the animation be. and manga and everything. You could sell manga comics in a kind of NFT as well. By the Japanese will follow the laws and regulations. Yep. I need you. Actually, Tyler, what was really fascinating about that conversation is they were talking about um, the gaming companies in Japan or the game Axie Infinity. And a couple uh-huh. of, they were talking about a couple of gaming companies and the fact that the gaming industry is going to really take this and eat it up. Because they already are winning awards inside the games and stuff. So it's going to be very interesting indeed to see how they um, interpret it. Because there is this big subculture that is... that, And they were talking about this. That there's two splits culture. The guy was actually... Nakamoki was actually saying that there's a part of Japan that sort of is the real rule following on the surface, on the top level. But there's also an incredibly hot subculture scene with anime and, you know, pixel art and, and just like the vibe of music and, and culture, the whole thing. And he said that's yeah. what's really starting to vibrate up in this crypto art week. And he's, you know, yeah. so it'll be very interesting to see how they how they bring it forward, because I think they're going to bring it forward really powerfully, actually. Yeah, they have a, it's an incredibly vibrant create creativity scene, you could call it, because it's creatives of all yeah. types. and wildly creative visual artists wildly creative musicians wildly creative yeah uh artists of all stripes and um and they have a deep appreciation for it and it's the the yeah the 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 undercurrent of the creative class is incredibly strong there and but to Cheryl's point it's all it's also even though it's the creative the creatives in Japan are not um adversarial or aggressive to the mainstream culture it's sort of in a weird way complementary and it's it's not they're not going if the government says you know you know we're not going to recognize it's not like americans where we're like have this huge friction between the the artists and the disruptors and the government um you know they they're going to play in cooperation with the government, if the government says, you know, uh, we're not going to accept Bitcoin, then the people say, okay, well, then that, it's up to you. It's your country. So they don't really have this maverick, you know, gunslinger um, 
pioneer streak to them, you know, yeah. like, uh, like American. Yeah, the story for that, that. I think That's that people true. around the world should learn, really learn from the Japanese is the good values and the craftsmanship, especially the honesty and the integrity. Yes, yeah, honesty is like absurdly important there. Uh, integrity because uh, it's, it's they take it like the, like when i make the jokes about how when people do stupid stuff sometimes in the news and i say you just embarrassed your your whole lineage and you just embarrassed your your forefathers and you know your future generations with this idiotic move that you just did you've heard me make that joke a few times that comes from japanese because they feel that way they they, they feel like i just embarrassed my family name i just embarrassed my forefathers i just embarrassed my future generations are now going to be burdened because i just did something stupid that's how they perceive it and american never ever that thought doesn't occur to an american that something you did would prohibit your children or your grandchildren from having a successful um professional career that just idea just doesn't happen in japan it does <laughs> like they're conscious of that kind of mentality so it's um they take in fact they put their first their last name first as a kind of signifier of i'm you know i'm crowley slash tyler instead of tyler crowley it's, you know you're more of the group than the individual in a way so um a little japanese culture lesson there for you um, but again, it's just every everything is different there in a, in a beautiful way, in a really you, you're like, huh, what? And then you think, wow, that's so cool. I never thought of it that way that you think of yourself as part of the your last name first and then the first name last and how all how that changes your fundamental perspective of how you engage and, and, with and you know what's also beautiful anyway, Tyler, it's just, is it's the fanful first off that culture probably mm. makes dealing with a pandemic a whole hell of a lot easier um <laughs> but also the friendship oh that you can have between east and west between the u.s and japan for example or canada and japan um and it's just wonderful to see these completely different cultures and societies just get along like uh two long lost friends and that's what I find absolutely stunning. And it gives me hope, Tyler, that we're all part of the same species and can kind of work together despite our differences because you will see no closer friends than the US, South Korea, Taiwan, Japan, uh, and it's mutual admiration despite having very different cultures. Yeah, is Jer Jeremiah, are you in the audience? You just sent me a DM. It looks like a real He's in the audience. hot I, I just tweet that you got yeah. here about Apple. He's here. He is. Hey, everybody. Thank Good you. Morning. Hey, Good Jeremiah. Um, hey, let me do a quick intro, if you don't mind, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the reason tech news around the world exists, everybody, because uh, somebody I've known in, in the flesh for a decade, even before Clubhouse, and we reconnected in clubhouse of course and because he's up on top of every new app that ever comes out like he's just obsessed with anything new ha that's happening in tech and has been for many many years and has a you know a fantastic reputation for knowing where everything's going you know a couple years before it actually gets there and that's why i have such a, a respect and appreciation for you know when he says this is what's likely to happen i pay attention as you know, I do. I'm obsessed as well, like he is, with where things are going in the years. He more in technology and business, I would say. And so um, 
the he was hosting some of the best rooms when I joined Clubhouse. So I was just hanging out in his rooms because that was the obvious place to hang out from my perspective. And he had this fantastic conversation. Oh, he had many, but one of them was um, there was a, the big news that week. It was a week. It was a huge news that week of Facebook versus Australia, where they were going to fine Australia government was going to fine Facebook to link to articles, any articles, any headlines, regardless of who put them on the on the platform. Any user puts any news article in Facebook. Facebook has to pay some little micro tax for every single article. And Facebook was like, oh, yeah, is that what you think is going to happen? Fuck you. You're done. Out. No, no links for nobody. And it was kind of a bold move. So the news kept rolling. The headline kept evolving because it was like a back and forth between Rupert Murdoch and, you know, you know, his whole empire down there and, and Facebook. And in his room, he had made me a mod. And there was. Uh, a lady in the audience who jumped on stage and DM'd me and said her bo- she was from Facebook and her boss was in the audience and he's was a, uh, a head of media for Facebook media relations and then there were there was a bunch of journalists from Australia in the room on stage talking and then they started talking together directly the journalists from these publications that were you know causing this you know friction with Facebook and the Facebook media people were there as well and they got along beautifully and they, they had just launched a program to help journalists in Australia that like that week and they were exchanging contact info and I I just became endlessly blown away it was like the one of the most magical clubhouse moments and but more importantly I was like this is the biggest news story of the week and here are the main actors on both sides of this story in this room conversating together and i was shook i was like holy shit uh, it was became i i just have this vision of like in the future this is how news will work is there's now a neutral ground where um without the journalist being there that the parties you know can work things out in conversation and that really inspired uh, the tech news around the world so uh, a huge thank you again to jeremiah for e- enabling that magical moment that has now turned into a favorite uh, room for many people here in Clubhouse. Thanks, Tyler. I think that's really more the magic of Clubhouse and serendipity, not my action yeah. at all. Well, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And certainly you yeah, have to thank no. for Tech News. So um, nice setup. Um, hope everybody's well. Um, I was reading the yep. news in the last uh, 48 hours, and I saw a lot of information around employment information. And I don't know if you saw Mm -hmm. some of the information that many Apple workers are threatening to quit. That story has been going on for a while, Yes, uh, but it's, it's resurging again because uh, apparently there was a, the employees requested hybrid work, but there's really a push for in-person serendipity. And you can see the PR announcements from corporate communication saying, yeah, you've been working from home for a while, but we really value in-person work more. And the last few months of successful launches are built upon the in-person work that we've done for the last prior year. So it's kind of a way to say, no, yeah, you've been yeah. working at home, but don't think that it's because of your own doing. It's because of what we, we've done. And of course, as you know, they have the billion-dollar spaceship <laughs> office. Um, there's uh, four related yeah. stories. I'll be brief, but you can hear the trend. 
No, no, no. Let's let's we we've Jeremiah, just for context, we did cover pretty much everything oh, in this exchange it. thus far. And you've got you've got some new updates in this that we this we love this story because it's not only Apple yeah, who's got right. this going on. Google's got their own version of this with one of their super the first ten employees ever at Google's now wanting to go down to New that. Zealand even after he it didn't allow lots of team members to leave and but he so they're saying he's a hypocrite and it's got all these companies are having these issues and i think the apple one is the most interesting okay, so let's great. take this nice uh, and slow. Yeah, so that's just that's tied one the, the google one um and also related twitter has just reopened their headquarters office on market street in san francisco um yep. it is um it's a really interesting building for those that don't know the region it's a a, a very tall tower with a gorgeous office and at the top is a park for um, the Twitter employees and a gorgeous yeah. five-star cafeteria. But around that region, it's filled with blight. There's homeless and um, people that are, are struggling in life. And yet these people are literally in this tall white tower, uh, what beige technically, um, protected. And so it's a very interesting little island, uh, a reflection of um, the anger towards tech, a physical metaphor. Um, also related, there's been a number of stories where um, if you make minimum wage in the United States um, to afford rent, you may need to work uh, four or eight jobs at once, depending on where which city you are. No minimum wage worker can afford to live anywhere in the United States, uh, says CNN. And then the yep. and in no state, yeah, in no, in uh, no so, state, yeah. And the way they look for that quality of life is. And you would need they calculated they they calculated the number of hours needed to afford the you know an apartment a one bedroom and a two bedroom apartment, and it was something like you would need to work somewhere in the neighborhood of like sixty hours a week or eighty hours a week. It was like a ways off from anyone yeah, being it, able to afford it. In most and the way that so, they yeah. they um, denoted quality of life or cost of living would be a one bedroom or two bedroom apartment. So they use both of those numbers. And yeah. And the, I, I see your tweet, by the way, I just retweeted. Uh, Jeremiah is an absolute must follow on Twitter. That's kind of his, would you, would, is it fair to say that of all it of the platforms, story, yeah. that's perhaps your priority uh, platform? Yeah. yeah. So, um, do follow Jeremiah. He's, he's verified on Twitter. And I just tweeted his tweet about Apple workers work news summarized that he just a tweet he made an hour ago, which, uh, covers four points. Apple workers threatened to quit again after being summoned back to the office. Minimum wage workers can't afford to live anywhere in the U S Twitter has reopened HQ offices in SF. And those who left Bay Area are now returning, which oh, was apologize. all four of those headlines we've read uh, in the. Uh, we, no, no, not at all. We read the New York it's because it's fun to see them all together in, in in a single tweet. We read the New York Times. Those who left the Bay Area are now returning. Like when we met previously about six or seven hours ago, which also was the Twitter opening uh, HQ and SF. The minimum wage workers came to quit one. Um, is it kind of an evolving, interesting power play dynamic that many Apple's not uh, unique in that regard? Like the the Google one is still a a a, 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 a drama in motion and up you know an ongoing drama. The Apple one's Thailand. an ongoing drama. Yeah, 
but putting those next to each other, those two stories, privileged Apple workers saying, nah, I don't feel like going back to the office yep. versus minimum wage or gig yep. workers saying, I can't even afford a house or apartment. Yep. yep. You have to look at the dichotomy of that yep. and really think about what is happening in society and what is the role of tech? Yep. A hundred percent. And it's, it's becoming the ones and the zeros, the haves and the have nots. And that's not, that's, I, I I owe a friend of mine, Justin, who wrote a song about the the valley of zeros and ones, of which is a a pun around by code computer codes written in I zeros and ones, haves and, and have nots, the, the haves and the have nots, the valley of zeros and ones, and um, that's in your tweet right there. Yeah, thank you for the time. Yeah, of course, anytime, 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 and. Some other interesting thoughts around this issue that we jumped into in this room yesterday was this big, big gap. There's now another interesting stat. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 million Americans are about to become homeless because the um, during COVID, many states had this, uh, you know, um, temporary thing that you couldn't evict people during COVID. And now that's expiring. Tyler, what's the total population of the United States? 330 million. Jesus Christ. And yeah, so more than 10%, yeah? Like 12-ish, 13-ish percent. And so that's a, that's a lot. That's a whole shit ton of a lot of people. Because most big American cities are 1, 2 million, 3 million. That's a big American city. So you're talking... 10 big American cities worth of people. <laughs> it's pitch. Um, it's going to be pitchforks soon. It's going to, it could, could be pitchforks. That's, that's why I'm saying there's a trim in the U S there's a noticeable, I mean, Americans think it's this very binary thing. You either have a one bedroom apartment or you're homeless. There's very little, it's kind of very binary black and white. There's really not much in between. You're either living in a tent down by the, you know, down by the river or under a freeway overpass or, you know, or in a park somewhere, or you have a one bedroom apartment in Asia. There's this endless spectrum in between of um, a house that you spent, you know, a week building yourself is a very normal thing in many parts of Asia. So it's, um, and I, I, I'm blown away that we don't think about a solution in the middle that is now going to cater to a very long-term demographic of at least 40 million people. You could put students in this as well and double that. And I, to me, I think something like capsule hotels in Japan for on a monthly basis with a shared shower and a shared kitchen, because you might not really need kitchens that much even more, even if you're barely getting by there's you know you can there's still a lot of solutions out there but the that kind of an arrangement you could get rent down to instead of whatever the average rent was of like you know for easy math say normal rent is a thousand dollars a month let's say you can get it down to three three hundred three fifty you know get it down to sixty percent off of a normal monthly rent it's enough where these folks who are doing gig work you know, can easily uh, sustain themselves in uh, in a capsule hotel scenario, and um, and then I there was a photo that somebody sent in of an just stunningly, gorgeously designed capsule hotel configuration. 
um, just like like a something out of like like Apple had made it themselves. Like even better than if Apple had made it. I could I couldn't believe how stunningly beautiful this capsule hotel design was. And anyway, let's. Um, I, I just I hope there's more. Somebody needs to figure out a solution in the middle. You know what I learned? So, um, the, the, in Africa, now, actually, the prefabs are gaining a lot of popularity um, that I think in Nigeria and Kenya, even um, somebody from South Korea, actually, who produced these prefabs who can be done cheaply and then put together very, very quickly are really um, trying to come in into the Ethiopian market uh, because like I usually say, 75% of the population still lives in the countryside with not that much of uh, good housing at all. So even a very good friend of mine from Chicago has been trying to do that. I think probably the same way that you have been saying in Asia. So he was ex-IBM and he has tried to do what I think in Asia and now he's trying to do the same thing in Ethiopia. They are really good and affordable and quick. That might be something that the U.S. market might be thinking about. I don't know. Yeah, we we need we need to keep all options on the table and be and that's the thing is that we're so we're America's so bad at at looking around the world to see what other people are doing and take inspiration from it because we just, we're so used to people bringing it here and being like here it is, you know you know just historically. People show up from all around the world with these solutions that, that, that they bring here. So we, we've just not developed the culture of looking well, around to see what other places are doing. Yeah, Heyman? Americans have a bad habit of like stepping on their own fucking foot. I remember when um, we were trying to fix certain homeless situations, we had an actual architect design a like several blocks of container homes for the homeless. And instead of seeing how awesome that was, a bunch of Americans were like, how could you force them to live inside of containers? You think that people would even, like, they're less than, and I'm like, what the fuck are y'all talking like, yeah. This is another big problem here. Like, forget Capsule Hotel. Like, they won't even accept, like, a, a nice container apartment. Like, it's insane. But, Michael, that's to the point, right? Heyman, uh, that's the point, right? Uh, in Asia, as Tyler was saying before in previous episodes, they're used to smaller living, right? And we had this sort of a private discussion earlier is that North Americans are not used to having small spaces. Exactly. Right? So we can't really impose that on someone who may have had a lived in a larger home and unfortunately became homeless, right? We can't but it's say, less oh, about, look, but Asians it's less are doing about it. I get you, Heyman, and yeah. I 100% agree with you. But at the same time, when we're talking about just getting people off of the yeah. fucking yeah. streets... We can't get upset that we're not providing you with like some three bedroom, you know, 2000 square foot little, you know, condo apart. Like, fuck, and, and a containment home is those are containers are big. They're big enough to have a nice little setup going on. And people are like freaking out about that shit. Like, come on, we got to stop with we got to stop with that. I, I slept in containers. I know my trust me. I've slept in a container home in, in Ethiopia. I slept in a container home in Pakistan. On a bed, and and that that's the way you sleep at manufacturing facilities. Yeah. So, anyway, I'll just say that that's all. And I there's no there's no shortage of solutions. Uh, I came from Seattle, and Seattle is there's a big homeless problem there, as does San Francisco. There's money in both cities, a ton of money in both cities that could actually solve the problem of of homelessness if only they got their ish together uh, and actually uh, created scalable solutions. 
Um, but this, the solution, the solutions are there. It's the bureaucracy and that it, it not benefiting the people um, in power in those cities. That's my personal take agree. because, because um, Seattle is one of the most um, leftist, most, uh, I don't know, uh, they're, they're one of the most activist uh, driven cities in the world. Um, and yet we still have not solved the homelessness in that city alone, in spite of the billionaires that live there. Uh, there's a story that just came out yesterday. I'm, I'm over here in the Seattle area now. And uh, a city not too far on the peninsula, Olympic Peninsula, called Port Angeles, there is a, uh, there's an election going on. I forgot if it was the, for the mayor or city council seat. And get ready. The Q movement is starting to basically embrace this idea where, Which Q th- well, here in the States, there's this very popular, yeah, Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, um, like uh, Q- QAnon, you mean? So there's a, there's an election going on in Port Angeles where the somebody who was big on Q is running, and they're creating what the other side is saying a big lie, that that uh, Seattle is busing their homeless to Port Angeles, and they're using that to position that to reduce the increased social services Port Angeles has started to set forth. So it, there's this there's this whole new dynamic where, especially if this starts to to take off in the Q anon movement, where um, this was this was this is what came from the reporter's mouth, um, they're kind of softening their message and going after this at least this social issue uh, against uh, against social services. So that's uh, that's not good for for the problem. That's for sure. Okay, so um, we've got no shortage of news to get through today. People are sending in fantastic tweets. But before we get to those, I want to run through the top 10 biggest headlines of the moment and get people are more than welcome to chime in on their thoughts and feelings and insights around these top 10 headlines of the moment. So here we go in a very particular order of what is getting the most traction and conversation brewing on the internet. The top story uh, at the, at this very moment, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, Jack Dorsey says Square is creating a new business line with the aim of helping developers build decentralized financial service products primarily focused on Bitcoin. And for the Bitcoin maximalists in the room this is incredibly huge news which we will explain um in fact yeah that's not a coincidence that this is the biggest news story of the day it'll continue it'll be the biggest news story tomorrow (laughs) still uh, pending some miraculous happening it's it's a tremendous article as as ben and donna and the other uh bitcoin folks know or the folks who follow the space uh, understand uh, but for those who don't quite grasp what the gravity of this uh, headline, essentially, he's saying um, he's creating a new company that is meant to enable, um, as he says, focused on building an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to create non-custodial, permissionless, and decentralized financial services with a primary focus on Bitcoin. 
And the name of the company is TBD, which is either a very clever pun or means he doesn't know the name yet. But I think it's a very clever pun because it would play nicely into uh, the fact that it's an un it's going to be what's called a if you really follow the crypto space closely you know that could be a pun uh, referencing that it's he's going to create the company in a kind of uh, decentralized format um that is to be determined the company is to be determined because it doesn't fit within the normal construct of legalized business corporate structures of that's, that's, an s corp llc yeah so but the the, con- the the three key words in that tweet, this is Jack Dorsey announced this in a tweet in the past in the past 24 hours, is that the focus of building an open developer platform, meaning anyone can con- contribute and which mean which is also core to what are called DAOs, decentralized uh, organizations, and which is a, a new kind of way that crypto geeks like to uh collaborate together in this new post um governance hegemony way of operating we should be able to work together and not have to register it with a government we should be able to cooperate outside of the restrictions of any government systems and we should be able to exchange our money uh, a current uh, a form of new currency outside of the constraints of any government system that's the true or- original vision of bitcoin by the way and um so when he says the following words it's almost like a haiku in, in the there's a lot to unpack in this tiny little tweet where it says an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to create non custodial meaning no one's ultimately the power in charge permissionless which is what the the whole point of uh, the uh, bitcoin's uh, power comes from its permissionlessness and no again no one in charge and decentralized again core to bitcoin no one's in charge three levels of nobody in charge uh financial services and with a primary focus on bitcoin and what this implies is he he's going to cr- enable the tools to allow the building of what is likely to be uh the the original vision of Satoshi Nakamoto which is not only just a decentralized bitcoin but the uh the other necessary components to create a, a decentralized financial ecosystem so that everyone around the planet can get off of the legacy financial system of banks and central banks and what have you. And so to do that, you're going to need lots of developers working together in a very open kind of way on a platform where everyone can uh, contribute similar to how everyone contributes to Wikipedia, just to use a metaphor people are familiar with. But uh, so something of tremendous value is created by lots of people contributing, uh, but nobody owns it. Nobody can control it. It kind of is able to run somewhat uh, in magically and autonomously through via the power of how blockchains work. And it, yeah, that's that's, that's the big vision that everyone wants. And clearly, it seems Jack has been hinting through his tweets and comments at, in interviews for the past several weeks 
this is not a total surprise, actually. He's left several hints lately that he might do something like this. And the fact that he's done this tweet today and the reaction he's getting from some very notable people is very interesting. And one last thought before I turn it over, open mic, is he is going to be joining none other than Elon Musk in about five days at a conference called The B Word, which is obviously Bitcoin. But the fact that the conference itself is calling itself The B Word also speaks to how um, the, the, the vision of Bitcoin has become bear hugged, meaning it was originally intended by, by the creator Satoshi Nakamoto to be this, what Jack is now, uh, seems to be working on, but governments have sort of bear hugged it and now control it. And it's not what it used to be or was initially intended and whatnot. But I want to let the other kind of crypto folks on stage share their thoughts about this, uh, the biggest headline of the day about Jack and Square creating an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to services with a primary focus of Bitcoin. Donald, may I say something? Yeah. So I, I find it I find it very uh, coincidental that earlier this morning in the pregame room, if you recall, um, I was having a little bit of uh, I was a little double minded as to where I was standing on this entire thing because of the Palmer. Uh, long to, uh, thread of tweets that had come out just yesterday. Do you remember this discussion this morning? Because Palmer from Doge, after a very, very long time, That's right. yes. has, has come out back to the scene, even after years of, I mean, people asking him to come back. He never said anything. And then yesterday, there's been a long thread of tweets, which I retweeted twice because people were asking about it, where he's actually come out and he's clearly been aiming at the billionaires. He's been making aim for the likes of Elon and the likes of some of the guys who are sitting at the upper echelons of, uh, of, 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 of the crypto society, right? And he's, he's completely put, he's obviously put a lot of people in doubt because even I was ha having doubts this morning. And now today, now you've got these guys, you've got Elon teaming up, you've got, um, you've got Elon teaming up from the looks of it with Jack. And, and you and I both know a lot of the people that are very, very close friends with these sorts of people, at least one or two of them I know personally, this stuff it often gets said on the grapevine amongst these guys very early on. So now to me, and this is just me thinking, I'm a, I'm a bit of a cynic here, it looks like, you know, this is a little bit of a, of a war where, you know, the guy that originally founded Doge actually came on and made a negative comment the day before there was a kind of a feeling that a statement was going to be made by one of the biggest guys who was once again going to revolutionize an industry and bring it back up and, and make Twitter uh, a huge thing in the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And so now, you know, it, it, it just looks like there's a, there's a lot of things happening behind the scene where Doge, uh, the founder of Doge is going after Elon and he's actually negating everything that cryptocurrencies stand for. And he's, he's actually aiming for these billionaires that are trying to do things like Twitter is trying to do. And I'm just saying there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of things going on in the upper echelons of the crypto society that a lot of people don't know about. Myself this morning, I, I, was, I, was, I was double minded about this. I'll leave it at that just, just for open but, discussion. But for us, isn't it an impression déjà vu when you see what's happening with Dogecoin and what happens back in the days with the founder of Tesla with Elon? I, I won't comment further. I spoke too much. Yeah. Joe Prosa, I'll, let, I'll let the rest of people. Can, can I make a quick comment? Donna was I, trying to get in. I just jump in here, Donna? Okay, Donna. Go ahead, Donna. Second. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just uh, give a couple of points. Um, number one, we should remember, we should remember that um, so much of Square's revenues 
uh, were in 2020, um, they doubled as a consequence of Bitcoin related cash app. So this is a business. This is not going to be, this is going to be decentralized applications, but there's going to be a centralized way that they get into him. DeFi will not be unregulated. DeFi already has governance tokens in which you have to have KYC AML. In October, FATF, the Financial Action Task Force, will renew and put forth their proposal, probably final. The key changes in it over the last year have been directly aimed at DeFi. So there will be a central places in which you buy your Bitcoin, i.e. perhaps Cash App. Though that Bitcoin then will be used in conjunction with Bitcoin Rails and existing DeFi projects now, which have billions and billions and billions of VC financing in them, more than 70 projects alone in the last 12 months at least. And there you will go into these projects and you will get your lending and your credit and your all other kinds of things like this. So it will be decentralized in a centralized kind of on-ramps and off-ramps because those need to be regulated. So I'll stop there and other people can weigh into other things. But I don't, don't think that this is going to be a financial free-for-all operating outside of all financial um, places. You have a thought, Ben? I was hoping yeah, you were going to say something. Yeah, I will, but I'm just in bad reception. Give me a couple of minutes to get into better reception. So just a thought. What if okay. B stands for okay. blockchain or BioNTech? What if they're going to give out free BioNTech to like Africa or Asia? That's a good Vaccine. one. Never know. Never know. Bit curious. Bit curious. Yeah, very curious. It could be very busy times ahead in five no, days. B-I-T curious. Bit curious. <laughs> So yeah, we'll we'll clearly know the answer to this uh, in about four or five days when Jack and Elon but I just get on want to make with, a little quick comment. Uh, um, I don't think they are Michael doing Saylor. this together. It's just an invitation from Jack to Elon to have a discussion, and he he just replied for the big curious. Let's do it. Yeah. So my point is they're yeah. they're both participating in the event. And at that event, where Jack is obviously going to be in the position to explain uh, in detail what this yeah. will, if Donna is correct, or I, I, I actually disagree with Donna. I think he's actually going to try and do the fully decentralized big fu to all governments. Judging by his shirt approach. at the, uh, that may be the case. Judging by his shirt he wore at the Bitcoin conference for sure, certainly. The, the combination of his Gandalf beard and his tie-dye shirt and his lack of wearing shoes. And, and what Jack Dorsey um, is trying to do is something yeah. that the, back in the day, Zilan and Peter Thiel were trying to do with pay, PayPal. So the angle I'll be watching this most carefully from is the Oracle angle. So there's an Oracle, they call it an Oracle problem, but it's really an Oracle flaw or impasse or impossibility or paradox, um, which is where you've got a trusted third party involved um, that's trying to intermediate between the blind blockchain that's blind to the real world and the real world. And there's nearly always in these cases a some form of oracle uh, that is kind of brushed under the carpet, whereas it's absolutely normally absolutely pivotal to the trust of the system. Um, and because you're trusting that oracle between the blind mathematical blockchain in the real world, 
it does raise questions as to why you need a blockchain in the first place. Why don't you trust that Oracle with everything and so forth? So I'd be really interested to see how they try and get around uh, around that. It's more than a problem. It's it's like a, a paradox or a flaw. So uh, that'll be the angle I'll be most looking at it from. Um, and then also, you know, will will the way they do it, will the rules of the game they set up lead to true decentralization? Very hard thing to achieve. That'll be fascinating to see. Uh, the bit I already do believe is that A, <clears throat> is the authenticity bit. I do believe that they, Jack will be coming at it at least with an authentic desire to improve things and improve the world. And also that, uh, that Jack authentically will be trying to solve new novel technical problems uh, because, you know, I think he understands it and I think he knows what he's doing when it comes to tech. So it'd be really interesting to watch. <laughs> There's a funny tweet. Uh, somebody responded. <laughs> he says... Tell me, uh, tell me you're into, tell me you're into money laundering without tell me you're into money laundering. Uh, and then as a, as a lead uh, into Jack's tweet. Just as a tweet. reminder, you know, cash app <laughs> um, is regulated. Yes. It comes under banking. Yeah. Um, and so it is not, even the entry into cash app comes under banking regulations, which yeah. is financial services regulations, which is all of those other things. So, you know, his on-ramp, is regulated, yes. not decentralized. Correct. Okay. Everything and, Square does real, is utter, utterly, 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 utterly under the complete controls and compliance to the nth degree of every government, which he's very familiar with. And if he was going to do something along those lines, he wouldn't have used the words he used in this tweet. If he was going to build uh, things compliant with the existing system, uh, the tweet that he would have made is not the tweet that he made today. And That's to why I think he's go quick, going to do something completely different. Another thing that I got curious about since this morning's discussion, Tyler, right? Just around, um, does he, uh, and the, the people who understand this more than me, uh, how, did, did he have a, does he have to put this under the umbrella of Twitter? Uh, obviously that implies a bigger square, you mean. Twitter. Uh, no, 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 sorry. Um, un yeah, under, under the umbrella of a public company. He could have, like, he could do his big thing outside of it all. Right? Why? Why need to attach it to Square in any yeah. kind of way at all? Or yeah, any in any company at all. Yeah, yeah. I um, just, uh, I, I just ping Brock. Maybe he'll pop by for a sec. Let's see. I'll message him. It's, um, it's that's the right question, Cal. Um, building an open developer platform. Let me let me look at the. S I, I know I'm scrutinizing a haiku here, but. Square, yeah. Why does he say Square is creating a new business focused on building an open developer platform? So that develop, he's built, he all Square is doing is creating a developer platform, and other people are going to use that developer platform to build non custodial, permissionless, decentralized financial services. Square itself is not building any financial services, other people are on their open developer platform. And and he owns 13% so of Square, which is quite substantial. So, well, ah, so, but he, he could, yeah. The open developer platform, you're right, doesn't necessarily have to be part of Square. It's interesting. Anyhow. Um, so that was the top headline of the day. Uh, number two headline of the day, actually kind of boring relatively, Intel is exploring a deal to buy Wall Street Journal, says they have sources that Intel is exploring a deal to buy global foundries. 
valuing the company at about $30 billion. Global Foundries itself says it's not aware of any talks with Intel. So uh, I would be request the Wall Street Journal might want to check on their sources because the, the company involved seems to dispute your sources. Uh, not not seems to very overtly claiming they they are dispu- publicly disputing your sources. Wall Street Journal, it's in your own headline. Um, so that's interesting. Um, global smartphone shipments grew twelve percent year over year. Again, it's the biggest headline, not the most important. And here's another big but unimportant headline: Valve announces Steam Deck, its long rumored Switch like handheld gaming device with a seven inch touchscreen display, available in December for three ninety nine, just in time for the holidays, uh, Christmas giving or gift giving season, uh, and and just the right price for uh, an ideal. Um, holiday season gift. And then you've got the maker. Oh, now, this one's really interesting. The maker of a new documentary about Anthony Bourdain, uh, who, which I'll explain to the non-Americans who that is in a second, says he's using AI to recreate Bourdain's voice and synthesized the audio of three quotes from the TV host to create additional scenes in the movie that Bourdain never said. But as you know, if you've joined us every day, there's this new thing called uh, voice prints, which you can take pre-recording pre-recordings of somebody's voice and then use that to generate endless recordings of that person's voice, even after they've died. And you can write any script you want, like any children's book or any, you know, religious text and plug it in and have it be. Um, spoken by any voice on the planet. So that's what they did in this movie because they, the director or producer of the movie, there was a couple of scenes where they wanted the star, Anthony Bourdain, who has died a few years ago. They really wished he had read some of these uh, lines that he never read and he, he can't now because he's dead, but no, no problem. Uh, We've got this new thing called voice print. Uh, You got some of his voice tracks laying around? Oh, you do? Okay, great. Yeah, give them to me. And they threw them in the computer and then put in the text. Next thing you know, it sounds like he read these lines that he never read. How did, and the the amazing thing is how it was discovered because it it appears the film was not going to tell people that they had done this. And somebody who knew Anthony Bourdain says, how did you get him to read that email? after he died Uh, because somebody who knew him personally and they said oh uh yeah well we used a computer (laughs) so uh for those who don't know anthony bourdain is a food icon in america perhaps the biggest uh kind of like the what gordon ramsay is to the uk just to make a, a loose comparison or the the chef from il bulli is to italy or spain rather or what Rene's Giuseppe is to Scandinavian food at Noma, you know, just like these this truly iconic food figure. Or Chef Boyardee, uh, <laughs> to those who love canned uh, American uh, classic junk food. Um, Anthony Bourdain is um, an incredibly loved TV personality, food critic, uh, and tra- world traveler, who the the essence of his show is about going into parts unknown and going way off track into the most interesting parts of the world 
and diving into their food. And it's a celebration of how food unites us all from around the world. And uh, it's a truly a celebration of multiculturalism and the beautiful uh, uh, human element of food. And you can't help but be touched by uh, the the content, that the, the shows that he made. And to give you a, a measure of social currency that he had, it's truly most people's bucket list dr- dream come true. If you ask many people, what would be your dream scenario? It would be to join Anthony Bourdain in some far corner of the world for some amazing sm- street food. And no less than Obama did this with him uh, in Vietnam. And if you ask most Americans who uh, was more happy to be doing that at that moment, who, who you know, Obama was the fan in that situation. Anybody, any American's dream is to go with Anthony Bourdain to Vietnam and find some amazing small hole in the wall that he himself, you know, says is the best of its kind. And you could see on Obama's face when they were eating together that it was Obama's privilege to be having dinner with Anthony Bourdain, not the other way around. So just to quantify how uh, how kind of beloved Anthony Bourdain is, but he's dead, and now somebody's making a documentary, and there was some lines that the the documentary wish he had spoken, but he didn't, and so they're using an AI, the same AI we've been talking about, of voice prints, which opens a whole new can of you know yeah. concept that yeah. we had not previously considered. Yeah, and we can imagine for pretty easily in the future, uh, near future that uh, family like the Michael Jackson family or Marilyn Monroe and every, everything you can bring them back on movie theater. And then imagine Madonna uh, signing the contract with the AI company uh, that the, the company will continue for the next 100 years or 200 years with the, with the young Madonna or something else. Yeah. Um, and then Harry McCracken, who's actually one of my favorite tech, uh, one of the few tech journalists I actually really like, um, says creating stuff in documentaries usually seems like a mistake at least if it's not obviously a recreation and ai doesn't help matters um but this does open in a huge new can of worms i'm can't believe i hadn't considered previously which is all celebrities of all time and anybody in all time can be used forever going forward uh in creating content Uh, long after you're dead it's a really wild concept and it's a better that way because imagine you have those action uh, actor like uh, the rock or uh, arnold um in in uh, 30 years they can came back and then do those kind of movies with with the nostalgia that uh, that it brings it's wild it's what what it's going to do for like the marvel things like bringing old characters old actors back and old characters back from christopher reeve you know you Yeah, yeah, Christopher, you could have Rocky Balboa fighting, you know, uh, you know, other characters from the future. It's just, it gets very weird. Like you can bridge time gaps but, now, but and you can Tyler, do it. as you remember when we were talking about it, the Tom Cruise that uh, the per, uh, persona that they did that the company did on TikTok is is better than the real Tom Cruise. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could have Bruce Lee fighting. Uh, you know, the latest star, this brand wow. new star, you What? know, in a <laughs> That's fight totally team. true. Like, wow. Yeah, it's totally bizarre. It's, it's blowing my mind thinking about it. So anyway, um, 
I, I just wanted to thank this. But, but the weird thing was, is yeah, the, the line of like, how did you get him to read this email that he couldn't have read because he's dead? Imagine, <laughs> so the, the, imagine the Tyler, a fight in a kind of UFC situation that you made a pay-per-view and then the fight is Bruce Lee versus Georges St-Pierre, but all AI. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what's that's just between you and me, just to pause on that thought for a second. Could we get to a point almost where an AI could, due to its ability to analyze uh, a fighter's movements yeah. intimately, right? after tons of analysis, like, you know, you put in all the footage of every fight they've ever done and all of their gym training and every just try to analyze them to the nth degree. And it, you could eventually 100%. develop at a hundred years, some year. Pretty in the fast, pretty no, fast no time in the future. Soon. Really fast in the future. Right. But have and then say, OK, of these two uh, martial artists who would you, win you, in the UFC, the match, system, UFC the rules. system, which in China use uh, movement recognition. So imagine if you're able to, to recognize someone by, by his movement, you are able to do this in the, in the near future. It's just wild. It's so wild. Anyway, so um, the, that was the what was it? The second or third biggest story of the day? No. One, two, three, four, five. That was number five. We're making good progress. Number six is Microsoft and Citizen Lab say government hackers from several countries have used spyware from Israel that uses two um, what they call zero-day exploits in Windows, which are unknown kind of, they can hack your machine without you ever knowing it. And they name the countries, by the way, in the article. Uh, do you want to know what they are? I can read them to you. So, uh, and I will tweet these out as we always do from the Tech News Twitter account in, in just a moment. And here's the article. Mysterious Israeli spyware vendors, Windows zero day caught in the wild. Microsoft and Citizen Lab, which is from Toronto, uh, found, a, I think, University of Toronto, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, so Microsoft and Citizen Lab found a new kind of spyware made by the mysterious Israeli vendor called Sindiru and targeting some of someone in Europe based on their political beliefs. And it says, uh, the company said it detected hacking attempts on more than 100 victims including politicians, human rights activists, journalists, academics, embassy workers, and political dissidents in... So these are the victims. The victims were, happened to be in the following places. Palestine, Israel, Iran, Lebanon. But those, that's Israel and its neighbors right there. Uh, Spain and UK. And Citizen Lab said it was able to identify and reach out to the victims who let its researchers analyze their computer and extract the malware. And then, um, then they named the countries. Uh, the, these discoveries highlight once more the dangers of loosely regulated global market for government spyware. In the last 10 years, security researchers have, have uncovered dozens of cases where governments around the world, such as... Mexico, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Ethiopia have used powerful malware sold by European or Israeli-based vendors, uh, and they name similar other vendors. So 
the the issue here, as the quote said, the the closing quote here says, "A world where private sector companies manufacture and sell cyber weapons is more dangerous for consumers, businesses, and governments." Microsoft's general manager of digital security. So, uh, oh, one other interesting article, one other interesting paragraph here is that um, some of the names of the engineer. Oh, never mind that. Okay, so. It, it speaks to the how this these are clearly tools of governments and government agencies that are created by private companies in collaboration with those government agencies and yet also sell it to other governments uh, with ostensibly with the permission of the government under which it was co-created and their allies was used to take down, um, you know, these ransomware hacks, you know, which was a Russian team, the Revol, which disappeared from the internet, coincidentally, 24 hours after Joe Biden called Putin and said, hey, take that shit down. And then it was taken down, uh, kind of adding some credence to the thought that uh, clearly Kremlin knew about this, uh, even though they, of course, they claim that they don't. But these things don't re aren't really able to exist inside of a country's borders without them knowing about it. So anyway, it, it's, it's, it's big deal because these, the power of these tools is becoming equal to bombs, taking down a pipeline, an oil pipeline, taking down a meat facility, a food, a major food uh, distribution network, is infrastructure, core infrastructure, taking it offline. If you're taking it offline digitally or you're taking it offline with a bomb, isn't that big of a difference? Um, and so that's why it's somewhat like acts of terrorism, somewhat acts of war and can be responded to in kind. Uh, that's kind of the nature of the rules of engagement. So um, and Biden even said that to Putin, like, if you if this happens again, we're going to retaliate uh, as if it's a, an act of war. So, you know, kiss your oil pipelines goodbye. And next thing you know, it was taken offline. So it, it's we just need to be mindful of this stuff. You know, we're going to be hearing a lot more of these hacks. And that's why the most recent ones w was around. Uh, it was kind of a Swedish infrastructure of the, the trains and the supermarkets and the gas stations, because Sweden isn't really in a position to do anything about it, unfortunately, unlike the U.S., which is. Because um, Sweden isn't a part of NATO militaristically. And so Russia can screw around with uh, Sweden all it likes, as it has been doing with its submarines uh, off the coast of Sweden uh, regularly. So it's um, it's going to get it's going to it's going to at some point it's a slap fight and it's going to turn into a fist fight that's going to turn into a brawl. And it's it's concerning. So um, hopefully cooler heads prevail on on a similar kind of note. Does anyone remember? When we were talking about, um, I made a weird prediction that in the not so distant future, in the next few weeks or months, some country is going to recognize Taiwan um, as independent from China. Amen. Yes, US. No. Yes. And then a, a few, less than a week, a week or so later, uh, 
which was about a week ago, the U.S. sent out from one of its official Twitter accounts an image of all of the countries it had helped uh, with vaccines, COVID vaccines. And it had the shipment date and then the country and its flag. And it said, you know, we sent some to, I forget the name, but just as an example, uh, we sent some to Ethiopia on this date with the Ethiopian flag. And then we sent some to um, Italy with this date and this flag. And then we sent some to Taiwan on this date with their Taiwanese flag, which you know, we argued whether or not it was a mistake or not. Well, America never apologized for it. So I don't think it's uh, a strong argument to say it was a mistake if we didn't even bother to apologize. So that was like a weird little semi wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh, recognition of Taiwan because we're tweeting it from the official uh, verified U.S. account uh, with the Taiwanese flag. And then uh, but today something else happened. Japan um ends the headline from msn.com says japan ends one china policy new map no longer shows taiwan as part of china this new japanese map from it's an official japanese map um from the from the defense department of japan now shows taiwan independent yeah exactly so um yeah kind of fitting with the prediction that a country would recognize Japan, uh, uh, Taiwan. It's not an official statement in front of the UN, uh, because in the UN, there's currently about 15 or 16 that officially recognize Taiwan, and they're all quite small. And uh, But I predict it will be a quite a... Do- I predict it will be soon that that will change. And when it does, I bet it goes very quickly. It'll be like a whole bunch of dominoes, because it's really testing China's a reaction to this because, and the tweet was step yes. one, which seemed like plausible deniability, potentially innocent mistake. But China's lack of severe reaction to that tweet opened the door for Japan to do this map change, which is not a formal recognition, but a baby step towards recognition. And again, the lack of Chinese response to this map sets the stage for further testing and poking and prodding which will eventually lead to some small country that China doesn't really care about. Um, You know, Barbados is going to recognize, you know, uh, Taiwan, and then the cat will be out of the bag and then it'll be a a fast series of dominoes. And then once, if you have 20 countries all do it simultaneously, China can't do jack shit about that. So I predict that's how it's going to play out rather soon. And now here's the other weird thought is that, TSMC is a huge semiconductor company from uh, Taiwan. And there was a headline dated yesterday, July 15th, 24 hours ago. One of the headlines that we read, you might remember, was this headline from yesterday from Nikkei, Japan. TSMC in Taiwan, the huge semiconductor Goliath that makes the best semiconductor chips in the world that everybody, including Apple needs that they can't get anywhere else. Uh, TSMC confirms talks to build Jap- Japan chip plant in Japan. That's huge news for Japan because TSMC has the whole world by the balls because everybody, including Apple is begging TSMC for their chips. Right. And TSMC has the power in that negotiation 
because the entire world is begging TSMC for their chips and they're the only ones who make them. It's a true monopoly. And if TSM, TSMC yesterday in this headline from Japan's biggest publication, Nikkei Asia, says TSMC confirms talks to build Japan chip plant and that was announced yesterday. And then today, Japan does this little soft recognition of this official Japanese defense map of Taiwan independence. Is that a coincidence? Is it possible that TSMC said, oh, Japan, you want our chips? Okay, well, we have a little request. If you would like to jump to the front, uh, obviously you're willing to pay what everyone else is willing to pay. Yeah, yeah, you're willing to pay double. So is everybody else. We've got something else in mind. How about you formally recognize uh, Taiwan? And might say, oh, okay, you know what? Sure, let's do that. And let's see, wherever T- whoever else is begging TSMC for chips, it might be a condition as part of that negotiation to recognize Taiwan because that would be of incredible value to Taiwan at this moment. Oh, so this let- story is really huge. Seriously, Tyler. Yeah, I know. What, what, what you are unfolding at this time is really huge. It will be It huge is huge. But it, it's, TSMC is in a really unique power position that, you know, they're, they're quite powerful all the time. But during this global chip shortage, they are at the, they're the most important company on the planet. So they are in a unique position to ask for a very unique concession in a negotiation. It's interesting. So just a theory, but let's see how it plays out. Let's see if the other countries that really need these chips right now is the U.S., uh, France, Germany, um, China. But China's not going to China's not going to agree to that. Um, so we'll see. I, I also had a thought today that if China does. Oh, by the way, Japan did announce uh, in the past week that if China does attack Taiwan, Japan would defend Taiwan militaristically, would join the U.S. in defending Taiwan. That was also a huge announcement this week related to Taiwan. And they said there's an interesting detail to that announcement, which is because when America um, was kind of drafting Japan's post-war constitution, uh, it said that they could only they could create a military, but only for self-preservation purposes, self-defense purposes, not offensive purposes. And so them saying we will help defend Taiwan seems to be not congruent with that, that uh, clause in the Constitution. However, Japan says, no, not exactly, because Japan has an island 100 kilometers from Taiwan. So it's not really possible for Taiwan to be in a military takeover from China without involving their military to even defend that Japanese island 100 kilometers off the coast of Taiwan. Japan has to be involved, whether they want to be or not. So they kind of have a point there, actually. It's kind of an interesting. Hey, Tyler, Tyler, I don't know if you know, but yesterday was also when TSMC uh, released its quarterly earnings. And uh, it went mm-hmm. up by 28% to a record $13.29 billion just for the April to June quarter. Mm-hmm. So, Tyler, just a comment from TSMC yeah. chairman two days ago. I, I don't know whether yeah. you saw this news that I sent you over DM. Um, his comment is, uh, nobody wants war over Taiwan as cheap supplies are too valuable. So just shortly in his own words as to an invasion by China, 
Let me tell you, everybody wants to have a peaceful Taiwan Strait because it is to every country's benefit, and also because of the semiconductor supply chain in Taiwan. No one wants to disrupt it. He seldom he seldom makes a statement right. politically, but this is、uh, what he did two days ago. Yeah, I just tweeted that out, and he, of course, he's right. No one wants to disrupt that, but、uh, also China needs to control its own semiconductors, and that's a, perhaps more of a priority uh, than um, some truths are more true than others. <laughs> and China has bigger priorities than、um, TSMC、um, continuing business as usual. And I here's my other prediction. Is if China attacks Taiwan, and it looks like、uh, China has a chance of winning, I predict that the TSMC factory will explode, which will then remove the most valuable、um, asset of Taiwan.、Uh, that the、uh, that one of China's main reasons for taking Taiwan would be control of TSMC, and if it looks like China will have control of Taiwan. They will. They will. They might even have explosive strategically placed all throughout, so that they could, in a moment's, in a single button,、um, blow that. And if they want the control of TSMC, they have to and, move. They would have to move really fast because they will be in Japan really soon. Yeah, I just so knowing that I, I think China's kind of screwed because there's no point in. Taking Taiwan for TSMC, if TSMC can be blown to bits with a single Tyler, missile, essentially. Tyler, you were mentioning about a golf and Tonkin and, style or, move. Remember?、Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another interesting point. I had a, a, a deep insider, deep, deep insider, give me some private information. Oh, welcome, Nicholas. We, I thank you for joining. We want、But、your he was not the, the person who released that information. Headline covered earlier. Want to make sure,、okay. just so we don't get in trouble. No, no, no. No, I there's another uh, uh, somebody like Nicholas who I respect、uh, thoroughly sent me some really interesting information that he said he swears on his father. Did he like his, his father words, though? Did he like his father? That、sure. okay, good. <laughs> I assume so.、Um, that in the event that uh, there uh, that this Taiwan China conflict turns into a hot Uh, conflict that Taiwan will immediately fire missiles at Guam because that would then be considered、uh, a provocation and give America all the justifiable cause it needs to then engage in into Taiwan and take over Taiwan, and it would then become a messy legal question as to because China claims Taiwan as its own that it's not at all independent. And then America could say, "Well, you launched missiles at us, China, from Taiwan to at Guam, which、uh, is our territory." Actually, so, Tyler, yeah, guess what? You、I、started this, not us. Defense、uh, articles, yeah. And apparently, House appropriators fund Hawaiian、mm -hmm. uh, missile defense radar, but cut dollars from Guam's military spending. Just came out. Yeah, they actually cut、yeah. it even further. Guam、so、doesn't have much. Don't want to invest、yeah. anything there. Yeah, you know, Guam, there's nothing. It sounds at, too well, dangerous to me.、Anymore. I'm in between. Yo, yeah, yeah. The the, yo, the missiles will be going over your head. Yeah. So,、um, 
anyway, interesting point. So Nicholas, thank you for joining us. We wanted to get your thoughts. Did you, you no doubt saw Jack Dorsey's tweets about a decentralized, non-custodial, and there was one other qualifier. What was the other word? Um, Permission. But Tyler, I, I just, knew just you a, would a reminder. Do you remember in 2018 the <laughs> yes, Hawaiian false missile alert? Just saying. Yes, I do. Of course, yeah. Um, so, Nicholas, do we think this is Jack? Uh, and, and to unpack it, he says that Square is going to mm-hmm. make an open developer well, platform. First question. First question. That's what Square is making. Square. An open developer why, why platform. Why is a corporation? Yeah. Yeah. First, that's that's the good thing for everybody of listening. Now, They're such simple questions. But, if a company is doing it, that's the first disqualifier right. for is it decentralized, distributed, etc. Right, but he's Square isn't making the actual uh, services or products or apps as, as whatever. No, no, no. It, it just means that they're allowing developers for Correct. free to contribute Correct. their work. Correct. The thing that then Correct. will be centralized and owned by Square. And not, by that the doesn't way, say that. Gonna... You're you're projecting though. It doesn't say that. He it, could, he. You're assuming, and it's a logical assumption. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not and, a logical. And, and the non-custodial wallet will be the wallet that they just did, and they just put a lot of money in and launched. So you'll have your wallet, but it'll be a Square wallet or a Cash App wallet. You will onboard your Bitcoin through Cash App because you have to be onboarded somewhere that is is regulated. So I think there are a lot of buzzwords. I'll let Nicholas talk, but I think there are a lot of buzzwords that show you that this is uh, uh, the gateways are centralized. But that would not that would seem to contradict what he's saying but, in his so statement. Maybe maybe the, I think there's, the, I think there's, the soul he, the platform the square building an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to create non-custodial permissionless and decentralized financial services okay, not so this whole subject is joined together not bear hugged not yeah uh you know tied s- tethered locked government controlled sure. financial services non-custodial permissionless and decentralized financial services sure. i don't think he has any interest in all at all in what gets, cre- I, I think what he wants created on his uh, open developer platform is truly Satoshi uh, be- uh, verified, uh, permissionless, non-custodial, decentralized maybe, solutions maybe. to enable. To, to enable. Okay, so if we yeah. can unpack that, it's it's all connected. Sure. So remember, identity is the root of trust, and if identity is issued to you by a corporation or even a government, you are not self-sovereign. You are reliant upon that service for your root of trust, your identity. So that's number one. So there are many paradoxes in what Jack is saying and what Microsoft is saying. And Jack has a unique position because he owns one of the most powerful communication networks, which is Twitter. And he owns a very powerful financial services business, which is Square. Both of those would like to ensure that the digital world has a root of trust based on an ID. That ID 
would enable them to better regulate their social networks and is the same information that you would be required when signing up for the new tipping and other services that are the financial services which are merging between mm. the finance and the social media world. And that is going to relate to your government ID, like your social security, etc. And the government know that they cannot institute this level of identity and social media control because it would raise the ire or the wrath of the civil liberties uh, community of which I think most people uh, in the room understand that these are human rights that are going to be compromised. And we've seen the precursors to that in China and in Russia and in parts of the Middle East where you do not have access to uh, the internet that we currently even enjoy here in America and in Europe. So we need to see that in the news that we've received today and in the information that you're being uh, given, these are narratives from the existing community that is going to control your identity and is going to require, because of the FATF, the Financial Action Task Force, latest um, recommendations, and as we've seen from the actions of the UK, Thailand, uh, Italy, in respect of Binance, there yep. is Germany, and there is more. going Germany, to yep. be Pol a concerted clampdown on any of the uh, agents who seek yep. to assist the self-sovereign individuals, or at least those who seek to right. retain their identity as their unique property. And so the idea that yep. Jack is doing this uh, to help the decentralized world is, of course, very laudable, but he will end up regulating himself in place and benefiting the shareholders of both Square and uh, Twitter. And that has to be his fiduciary first mm -hmm. responsibility. If he was to truly be building this in a okay. decentralized fashion, he would need to effectively move away have from having corporate uh, systems of ownership and need right. it to be a truly Tether, decentralized, yeah. distributed, permissionless, unstoppable network. And of course, he has no interest in building that because he would not be the king of that castle. Right. Well, unless he's a, uh, has more money than then he can he ever spend be in doing his life square. He should be legacy. building it with the decentralized community, a community right. like ours, which has no VCs, no ICOs, and no founder rewards. Right. Yeah, which he doesn't need, and it doesn't seem like he's necessarily interested in the investor part. But you're right. It is a puzzle that we will uh, seemingly know the answer to when he joins Elon Musk at this uh, the B word event in about four or five days. And it begs the, the curiosity of perhaps this was timed to come out today uh, so that it could be referenced 
um, and give people enough four days to digest the implications so that when he meet, speaks with Elon, perhaps Starlink could potentially play Starlink a role in the decentralized nature of this in some way. Elon might Elon's be able to network act. of plugged in cars. They plug into a network that needs load rebalancing because of uh, the need for flaring uh, energy. And so Elon has already figured out that he can load rebalance um, using the network in the future. He also has uh, GPUs on board his Tesla motor cars that enable him to run that uh, GPU to provide um, cryptographic proofs if he can find a protocol that can operate sufficiently uh, 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 economically and environmentally efficiently to provide him with that, which is why he had his practice run with Doge to see how uh, a cryptographic currency would sit on his network. Um, Twitter indeed would, uh, I mean, Twitter and Square would indeed want to interface with Starlink for um, the top-down coverage around the world for its payments network, uh, again, which would be beneficial to their shareholders and not necessarily beneficial to the world. Right. By, by even attaching Square to it in any way uh, definitely m messes up the virginness of it, yeah? The, the necessary, it, it's just adding, it's attaching strings that ideally would not be attached at all. Um, so there's one, too... there's a line in the sand that needs to be drawn and that there are public blockchains that are owned off by and for the people where identity is issued from that public ledger that becomes something that we all own or it's not. And in the case that it's not, then you have to pick your brand. Do you like right. Jack? Yes, I think he's a good guy. He wants to do good things. Do I like Elon? Of course, the guy is fantastic. He's got superpowers of, you know, like Steve Jobs of, of reality distortion fields, right? He has, he's a meme king. You know, these leaders are going to emerge and we're moving into this pick your brand of, um, you know, leadership that you want. And we're moving into these packs and those packs will will have certain characteristics, tribes, or you almost might say. But essentially, there needs to be a truly uh, public version that enables all of the rest of us to have a system that actually supports democracy and supports um, economics of, by, and for the people. So can, I, if I, can I ask a sorry. question, Nicholas? There's, so... I understand the democracy piece to the rise of the blockchain-powered Bitcoin, but what about a future financial crisis? How does this dramatically, radically decentralized monetary system either put us more at risk or less at risk um, as an as a interconnected global community? I think we need to get away from ideas that Bitcoin is the solution. Bitcoin is a prototype that demonstrates permissionless, unstoppable networks of value that can be owned of, by, and for the people by virtue of a public ledger. That's all that it does. And that opens a new era of how we can use technologies that we can own so we can get rid of this myth that we need these meme kings to jerk us around. We can actually cook come to consensus together using this fundamental technology. 
So Bitcoin, forget the currency piece of it. Think about the technology. So now we can all cooperate and trust each other, permissionless, unstoppable, etc. What would you do with that superpower? Well, you would bolt onto it identity because then you have a way to create roots of trust for attestation information about your reputation, your credit, your health, your social, your democracy, you know, the people that you follow, the people that you like, you get to know that all with some form of cryptographic certitude. You can verify and then trust. That's the next big piece of what the technology does. The, 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 the piece that we're in now, and that's where you see the centralized forces of Facebook, Libra, DM, of Apple, Goldman, Marcus, uh, you know, et cetera, all sort of centralizing and creating, moving towards the singularity between healthcare, between, which is where the vaccine stuff happens, right? And all the entry to the physical to digital world. You know, you've got the healthcare world, you've got the financial world, and then you've got the social democracy world, which is, call it the fourth estate journalism, plus all of the other democracy elements that, you know, secure voting ID that we're seeing in, 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 in Texas, for example, all of those things are coming together at one and they're coming together through Apple's walled garden, Google's walled garden, you know, Twitter's walled garden. They've got a little bit more of the puzzle because they're held a little differently and the other players that are in the market. But there is no public version of this except for the prototypical Bitcoin and the Ethereum network, which is a, a, a virtual machine that is saying, here's a way to, to build a world of these applications that you're used to from the old world that you could apply in the new world, but the systems don't work very well. The, 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 the final iteration has yet to emerge, which would enable all of us to take on Google, Facebook, Amazon, MasterCard, Visa, App, um, Wells Fargo, Citibank, JP Morgan Chase, and do all of those jobs for ourselves in a trustless, permissionless network. That's where we're going. They would like to stop us doing that because, of course, there's a lot of money in those businesses I just mentioned. And that money should be going to all of the humans on Earth if they can use this amazing innovation of the pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto, who enabled us to learn that we could own things together trustlessly and permissionlessly using his proof, initial proof. So if I could clarify this, I'm just wondering, because the so, problem... Heyman, hold on, hold on, hold on one second, Heyman. This, um, are you, are you, Nicholas, are you familiar with uh, Dan yeah. Held at um, Kraken Exchange? Yeah. So he's, he leads growth at Kraken, um, and he responded to Jack saying, Bitcoin DeFi is happening. If you're interested in Bitcoin DeFi, check out my two new my news article about it. And on his news article, he says, De uh, Bitcoin DeFi, or DeFi stands for Decentralized Finance. The dream is that through blockchain, smart contract technology, traditional financial services can be rebuilt in a world that isn't controlled by government, blah, 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 blah. And giving the impression that he seems to interpret this as a truly de uh, uh, an opportunity to build uh, sort of the, the fully so, decentralized. Um, 
so, so Dan is a you know, you he's, know he's more things, of a I maximalist wonder, and he, he believes he, in he, some he, hyper-Bitcoinization. I think that we can understand that DeFi can come to the UTXO blockchain because that's what we've done, right? And that's to understand that the core technology is Bitcoin is UTXO based and Ethereum is a virtual machine. And those are sort of two, you can think of those as, you know, different philosophies in, in the way that the decentralized world works. And so what I do agree with Dan on is that you can have a UTXO blockchain that enables DeFi, but this is now getting a little bit technical for the, for the room. I don't want to go down those rabbit holes. But yes, it is possible to do this. And yes, Veras.io has done this and it is owned off by and for the people. There are no VCs. There is no, I'm just a community member talking, uh, you know, and the team is the team that built Windows 95 and .NET and, you know, we're experienced people and we saw the threat to our, you know, to humanity. If we go down this route and we don't have a public option, our reality for our children and our grandchildren is going to be very different. It's going to be owned by a corporation or by a government. And if we believe that democracy can stand up to that, you know, I think it's a bit naive because we and saw with Facebook right? exploit that our but, yeah. social democracy is, is and, exploitable. And, and so, wouldn't the, the, the type of character who might actually go through with something like this would be somebody for whom uh, they have more money than they could ever spend in, in for the, them or their grandchildren's lifetimes and happens to have a flowing long beard and tie-dye shirt and doesn't wear shoes. That's might obviously that be... the image that, that one would project if right. one was looking to be the messiah of the um of the age but one would have to build it in the public domain and not mm -hmm. have any ownership of it whatsoever and mm -hmm. ensure that the technology was fully privacy enabled using the latest zero knowledge cryptography which we've mm -hmm. used in order to protect humans from yep. oversight because all that has to happen is that a government needs to emerge and this happened in our in the memory of people in our lifetime, whereby a leader who wants to change things goes into Apple's offices and yes. threatens to shoot Tim Cook. And Tim Cook says, yeah. I won't give you anybody up, even though I've got the correlating data. And same with Microsoft DID, they've got the correlating data, so it's not private. And they shoot the CEO. And then the next person who takes the seat what do you think he's going to do? Do you think he's going to cooperate with that new leadership or not? You can't put freedom in the hands of people that can be threatened by violence. You have to have a technology right. that is fully private, self-sustaining, that is fully yeah. private and unknowable. Yep. That's the beauty of zero knowledge is that it's fully provable, yet you don't need the underlying data. And that underlying data should not be stored on Microsoft Azure because that puts you at risk. Right. It needs to be local and held by you, the sovereign, the self-sovereign conscious agent. And if you look at my avatar, you'll be able just to see the basis of what a, you know, the, the human rights that we will need in the future, because with AI comes knowledge that you can't know about the group, the cohorts, which is what they're trying to move to in the advertising field. You can't know more than them. They know more about you 
surveillance capitalists, surveillance venture capitalists, and the surveillance economy knows more about you than you know about you and will be able to nudge you in future such that your free will will not be yours. Hey, Tyler. Yeah, and the, so can I just here. bring in? Yeah, we'll leave. Can we'll, I just bring in one more point? Um, I don't yep. think it's also coincidental that all of this Twitter is going on right after Powell, the uh, Chairman Powell, testified, in which his primary focus was the CBDC, and the CBDC, whether it be the U.S. one or the Chinese one or other ones, are again tracking devices that, you know, you can talk about what in the U.S. Mm -hmm. will or won't be the privacy elements of it, but they really are tracking the way in which you spend. Now you have Twitter and, and, and Dorsey and others coming in and saying, okay, you're not going to have to use that alternative. You can use our alternative, the Bitcoin alternative, but albeit, as we all know, and I believe what Nicholas is saying is very, very true, is that he does have a different um, agenda than maybe what my agenda is. His agenda is to go through Square and the Cash App, and his responsibility is to, one, FATF, to make sure that he complies with all of those rules, and the second one is to his shareholders. In complying with FATF, he, he, he uh, does better for his shareholders. His primary responsibility is not to me to do what I want to do for my privacy or my money. It is to those other, those other uh, uh, entities and persons. So I think that, you know, this is yep. all coming together as we yep. redefine what is privacy and what is money and what do we do with it or without it in all of these digital payment worlds. And, and we do have a solution. We do have the technology. Don't believe you if people say it can't be done. The public option is available and it is being built by altruistic community of people that has been you know unable to make this you know sturm und drang the noise of marketing because that costs money but has been quietly and assiduously building something that can be owned by everybody it is rent free and that is verus.io i encourage you just to read about it go onto the website it is an amazing group of people that have just come together to do this so that we have an option Hey, Tyler. Tyler, Tyler, Mohan, one second. Uh, I Tyler, Mohan here. Yeah. Mohan, uh, so Heyman's been waiting a while. So Heyman and then Mohan. This. So I understand that there's two uh, currents, cryptocurrencies right now, right? Bitcoin and Ethereum. Ethereum no, there aren't like, any currencies. Sorry, sorry, not currency, blockchain, sorry. Um, so Ethereum is the one that's preferred by governments right now. AWS has made a blockchain that's compliant. Uh, it's comp well, it's flexible and actually gets... It's friendly with Ethereum, and so is Google Cloud. Now, I'm curious because, you know, the whole problem with the blockchain and crypto at this point is the node issue, right? It's the slowness of trades and everything else. Now, I know that there's that lightning uh, network, right? The Bitcoin lightning network is basically meant, it's, adds, it's another layer on top of uh, the blockchain to speed up these transactions. Now, is it possible that because um, like uh, Elon and uh, Dorsey have actually bet on Bitcoin, they need to control, they, if they control that node and make the Bitcoin a sort of blockchain support for Bitcoin much stronger versus Ethereum, uh, which the governments are like, and also things like Alchemy, like the company Alchemy that's being sponsored by a lot of people now. Sure. 
which is shifting over to Ethereum now, more so than uh, working on Bitcoin blockchain, right? So I'm wondering whether that's, they're trying to get the power back. I think you're asking a very good question. The, without trying to be too technical, there are many different blockchains that have native currency, which is what's known as a cryptocurrency. The Bitcoin blockchain uses something called UTXO or unspent transaction outputs. And that is one way of providing security and information to a trustless permissionless network. And Bitcoin did have a, as far as possible, a fair launch. People were just able to mine and build the network. So it is regarded as a truly decentralized and distributed network. Ethereum, in contrast, did have an ICO. It did did have uh, VC backing. And it is uh, essentially supported by consensus, which is X Fortress, JP Morgan, etc. So it is funded by the existing financial behemoths in the industry. So you're right in saying that Ethereum is very is more friendly to government. And that is also the reason why it has the most developed developer network, which is very important when you're building a new technology. So it has a good story, but there are definitely vested interests that are more aligned with Ethereum. But it is actually that there is Ethereum is a virtual machine, which is different to the UTXO blockchain. And that leads to one central problem. And the problem is that delivering decentralized services is less efficient at this moment that we are going through in the evolution of the blockchain and that the consumer will not tolerate the inefficiencies of the current state of the art, the 10 minute block time, the lack of finality. And so the movement in Ethereum towards proof of stake is further proof that they would like to bring in the powers of economics so that the staking can make the network more secure and more and faster, but it comes at the expense of the community that is building it because they are getting less and less power because we're back to a system where those who have the most money control the system. So, thus, so this, this is the effort. dividing line yeah. that we see and we will see between people that want to evolve towards the internet of value, which is the future, and, and if the decentralized services can build their technologies in such a way that is, it is as simple, as secure, but cheaper and faster to do it using these new technologies. And that requires that we evolve the state of the art. And that's the part of the evolutionary cycle we're on now with regard to blockchains. The the only decentralized winner will be the one that can provide as good a service as the central plan, but 
it is owned by its network members. Sorry for the long answer. And also technically with Elon Musk's satellite system, technically if it's allowed in the certain countries, he has full access to the unconnected. And also he could... Uh, if he was to be a really great guy, right. he would not seek to gateway the, the uplink to the Starlink so that everyone could be connected to a truly decentralized internet. But my fear is that he will provide this infrastructure and then if the Chinese tell him to do this, he will do that because he's got a deal in China to build Tesla cars that is extremely important to his shareholder base. And that's how you squeeze the nuts of a meme king. But couldn't he, like, actually, if he's working with, uh, actually, with Jack Dorsey, he could actually get a small team, just, a percentage I just of wish we could just understand that everybody can be squeezed. Yeah. Even the well, meme thing. Just, well, it, just it look, everybody else not is looking so. Anyway. Tesla's, Tesla's future no, no, isn't no. looking so bright. There in you China go. The and if you anyway. want to put up a satellite link up link and you want to make sure that the Great Wall of China extends to be the Great Wall of the Universe... You're creating the lock-in that they also blissfully will walk into because they've got all the money in their pockets. So they have no reason to fight for human rights. We need self-sovereign digital identity rights now. I well, brought up the remote part. Was Meseret and I? Hold on, Heyman. Yeah, I'm going to go to you, Mo, uh, Mohan, one second. Uh, so just a quick question for Nicholas before I go to Mohan. On this point of Elon versus China, China very recently in the past weeks or so is now announced, you know, they're going to compete with Starlink. They're also going to Mars. That's also a Chinese announcement. They've got their own space station with astro three astronauts in it at the moment. They, they clearly seem to be pointing all signs that we're competing with you, Elon, and at the same time, Tesla was going to expand their Shanghai facility and now are not. And so things aren't looking so great for Tesla or for Elon with regard to China at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see if China, if, if he's willing to, you know, play a bit dirty as it is. With Nobody's China. So, got that we'll um, So Mo, Mohan's been, Mohan's been waiting a while. Hi, uh, what, what's um, your, what's your contrary to all Mohan? that's been said, while I appreciate all the passion with which uh, Nicholas is saying whatever he is saying, I just don't believe in this whole permissionless blockchain business. I've been for the last four years been a myth buster of permissionless and an evangelist of permissioned. I've given numerous talks where I give all the you know arguments and so on. ACM Sigmod Innovation at Sigmod Conference uh, keynote and for literally for in four, 14 countries I've given talks in the last four years. Why all this doesn't make much sense in spite of all the stuff about decentralized and you provide trust in a totally trustless environment and all that the minute any real world data needs to enter the system all this is gobbledygook so i invite people to go look at yeah my thank you the horrible problem here I, well, okay, I'd like whilst to I, speak, whilst I appreciate I your point one, i think you uh, need to address why you can't use zero knowledge uh, technologies to verifiably prove attestation information from duly authorized authorities. So I'm not saying that I, I want to acknowledge you would be right in saying that you would need to have that verifiable data. But if you're using zero knowledge technology, zero knowledge proofs, and you had 
established that the Department of Transport or the Department of Defense was the duly authorized authority and they were the signatory to that information, you could keep it private, verifiable, and decentralized. As was the case with Zcash, they had this bug for nine months. They claimed that nobody knew about it. Okay, that's Zcash, but that's Zcash. There's going to be other technologies. Can the technology work? No, no, all I'm saying is that there'll be bugs in the future. Nobody is going to write bug-free software. They couldn't even tell at the end of that nine-month period if in truly anybody exploited that bug or not and so on. So it's, it's a lengthy conversation. I don't want to spend too much time here discussing. But you acknowledge that it's, if it was, if the bugs, you know, so they had Zcash. No, no, I'm not, a, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's still good enough. My point is my job in life, as I said many times, is not to encourage illegal stuff to be done. I do believe in the fact that governments do have to have control. Who are you going to go complain to if somebody rips you off? I mean, this whole notion of, I know, no intermediaries. These exchanges are nothing but pseudonyms for banks. People couldn't, you know, trust themselves to remember forever their private key and so on. This notion of exchange is all, you know, gobbledygook. Uh, trying yeah, that's to why you need an identity <laughs> technology. So you're absolutely right that these are the problems that, that that we've experienced and these solutions have to come. But to say that these solutions can't come and that we should just trust the government, I mean, everybody's seen that anywhere that you give absolute power to a government, you will have massive abuse. And in a digital the, the, world where you have complete oversight, look, Nicholas, it's extremely so dangerous just to hand your rights are, to people that you are so can't necessarily reasons, elect. There are so many other reasons why we all need to trust human beings and institutions it's not like this one thing is going to pervade all of society that forever in the future well, like you the internet didn't pervade all of society thinking i'm sorry i don't mohan, buy mohan can i can i suggest something which is simply one of the core value props for crypto is to get us out from under the predatory practices that the banking system with the help of elected officials have had so that is one of the core driving forces for all of the liberation that the, the, the technology represents. My question, or actually, my first of all, my position of that it's rentless or it is, is, is poppycock because of the carbon footprint of minting a new currency. That's that if, if we fully costed that, that needs Correct. to be every, every single thing we do. Needs, proof that you Alex, can Nicholas, use. one moment. I just want to finish one last thing. But getting back to this carbon idea and, and the rise, the increasing emergence of consciousness of, of the stakes of, of, of the carbon and how we're not costing it is going to lead to another dramatic, massive financial crisis. It doesn't take a lot to kind of foresee that. So my question, and maybe, maybe Donna... Uh, being from New York, <laughs> you maybe in your experience, you'll be able to address, has anybody really looked at how a uh, these cryptocurrencies, as one possibly emerges to be a, a large monetary alternative, if it's going to, what effect will it have on helping us as a global community work through a, a financial crisis? Is there, people have been doing any modeling on things like this? It actually did something. Can I just make one statement, please? It did. There was actually a real experiment experiment with it in Sardinia. When Sardinia in the the late 90s, Sardinia in the south of Italy had no capital. They had no access to capital. 
So the people in the community created their own currency for exchange between all the vendors and the buyers. They called it Sardex. So you could like it worked. It worked until the um, the Italian economy recovered enough that that they could actually flow money down into the south of uh, Italy again. So this is it's actually happened before that they needed another type of another way to transfer money that wasn't centrally controlled. And it, it was it actually did great in that instance. As Paul Krugman said, this whole crypto thing has set the world back by 300 years. I mean, Indian princely states and all these guys had their own currency. This is such chaos now. It's height of speculation. I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying into any of this. Can I, um, can I just do a, say, like two quick things really quick? One was about Elon. Elon Musk, uh, you know, is doing Starlink. And there are some people who are trying to compete with Starlink using um, this idea of the sharing economy. And, um, and when I was researching how that was working, um, Elon Musk has actually said that, uh, I don't know if you guys know the cost, there, there's a pilot program with Starlink already, and it is $100 a month for mass service, but it's $500 for the, um, for the equipment that you need in order to receive the signal. So that's actually, so as much as he says that it's this like, you know, unifying universal concept, it, it, they want to have one price for everyone. So that means there are millions of people for whom they will, this is just not even an option for them. And then the second thing is, did you see um, what Spike Lee did with the commercial on crypto and the backlash? It's been interesting. By the way, uh, so I just, spent just my entire life on about, about Starling. You want to, you want to drop the price my entire of life on transaction processing, performance-wise, so many ways-wise. This is like so backwards. In you know, 35 years ago, we were aiming for 1,000 transactions per second, and in this day and age, we are talking about 10-minute transaction. You're uh, talking about the, 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 the old no. world, Mohan, no, and yeah. you're right. You're it's right. Sixty-four thousand transactions per so, second is the benchmark. I mean, sorry, yeah, it, look, I, I, we don't need to argue about there's a philosophical difference. And that's of people that think that the technology that we have and is existing and the kings that we have that you will never overthrow because they are bigger than countries, more powerful, more, they have more installed base. So there's people that think that the world is going to be this way. And there are people that believe that there should be a public option and that technology will evolve and that people can do this and there are people that can't do it or that they're at the end of that useful uh, life in terms of the conceptions that they have and that's okay too because i'm you know of that have been of that mindset previously but i think that people are extremely innovative and that we should be able to cooperate at scale and still be able to be compliant with our nation states who have a right right to expect minimum standards from us in terms of disclosures and tax collection, etc. But we have to evolve our democracies. And how can we trust our democracies if we can't trust the input data that we get? Because that's being controlled by the same people that are now controlling our finances. So I think we need an option, Mohan, at the very least. Yeah, and I would say that where we are is we're in um, a huge startup with many startups underneath that are evolving to some of the the ideas that Nicholas and and, and Bitcoin and others are, are talking about. So it's far from a perfect world, but there is a vision and a mission 
um, that can get us there using technology, using using collaborative decentralized uh, processes that are that are permissionless, in which there is a payment where there is a payment mechanism that gives more fairness to to people throughout the world, include developed and developing uh, countries, in where in where the financial centralization has given us over the last many many decades problems every 10 years that we need to then dig ourselves out of in a way that costs everybody financially and, and, and spiritually and morally and technologically a huge, huge price. And so there's, there, you know, the experiment that is ongoing should be allowed to flourish and to be able to be, to be added to collectively and see where it goes in the next, in the next number of years. And as I've said, put it simply, guys, can I, can I just let Faraz go in for a second? Yeah, for I was going to do the same. Yeah, thanks. I'll just make a very quick statement, so please don't interrupt me. Monser, I'm addressing you. Just give me a quick second and I'll be done. Monser, from my understanding, you come from uh, an American nationality of Indian heritage. So I believe you have the understanding of independence and you have the understanding of colonialism that occurred in India. And the way that governments operate today, there is no sense of independence. And this is being discussed in this room actively and actively over and over again. The way the governments are operating throughout the world there is no sense of independence for the individual human being. So thinking from just a very simple perspective, independence is in the form of the individual operating in a permissionless framework so long as there is some form of regulation around it or can be overseen by a certain number of bodies trying to oversee it. In that perspective, the long-term independence is in the individual managing his own data, his own financialness, his own, his own financial capabilities or her own financial capabilities, be it however, so long as the majority of it is done in a fashion. And if you have a deeper conversation with Nicholas, which I have done, trust me, it is a rabbit hole and you will play Alice in Wonderland in there. I'm done and thank you very much. Okay, so we got much more to get into, but a, a big thanks to Nicholas for uh, jumping in on uh, responding to the ping request and hopefully can hang out because there's no doubt relevant topics will come up as they always do. And we went, th that was, we're, we're still nearly getting through the top 10 story, <laughs> biggest stories of the moment. One is that uh, Paytm files for its IPO in India looking to raise 2.2 billion as the big FinTech of uh, India. Uh, doing a huge IPO. Twitter rolls out auto captions for voice tweets in 11 languages, including English, Japanese, Hindi, more than a year after launching voice tweets in iOS. And they're also expanding the images to go from edge to edge of the screen, similar to how Instagram does. Uh, people seem to really like that. Our friend Jane found that. And Jack Dorsey was the first to respond to Jane's discovery of that, saying that he, he thought it looked great on her Twitter account. And... Uh, Binance is halting operations for its stock tokens offerings, uh, which launched in April and lets users buy and sell tokenized stocks of popular stocks like Tesla. And we also can now add Lithuania to the endless growing list of countries that are um, warning and, and stopping any connections to Binance as well. So that, that's interesting to watch how that is evolving. Nicholas, can you make a comment on what you think is going on with CZ and Binance and how these countries are all kind of, there's a new one every yeah. day. Um, what's going on there? It's um, He has been uh, leading the way uh, in terms of uh, onboarding people into crypto. And he has been practicing an act known as regulatory arbitrage. And the FATF, 
is clear in their guidelines that they would like any virtual asset service provider to comply with the what's something that's known as the travel rule, which means that you need to be reporting who your customers are in every transaction uh, above uh, $3,000. And ultimately, uh, there's many more of these types of rules. And there's the also the uh, inability for, um, well, it, it's just overall securities violations and regulatory arbitrage, and they are flexing their muscles. And they're saying, go through Coinbase, which is not, you know, con conveniently owned by Goldman and Andreessen and all of the surveillance venture capitalists. Yeah, usual and, suspects. Or yeah. you know, go through Square. You know, we're 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 fully you know comfortable with them. Or you know, they're even you know, so they've got this Compliant, approved yeah. list, and CZ is not on the approved list, of course. And furthermore, he can be made an example of, and he's also a giant um, uh, fear factor and fud factor in terms of spooking the Bitcoin market, because, of course, a lot of USDT or Tether, which is not, uh, you know, uh, appreciated by the government. And now you've got an option that is USDC, which is going to be, you know, is, is, is the acceptable face. You're going to be shepherded towards USDC with its um, KYC and AML requirements fully, you know, com compliant. And that's fine. By the way, I don't think that's a problem for the vast majority of people, but it needs to be coupled with the ability to be fully private and with the ability to move your money into the decentralized self-custodial world. But, you know, you can still be fully compliant. That's not a problem. But they don't want CZ to be leaking um, and, and, and making a mockery of the coordinated financial system that operates under the Financial Action, Action Task Force and the guidelines that are being set out by them. Well, that's a very, that's a very, that's a very right, but what's nice, what? favorable reading of Binance. For the most part, Binance operates with limited or uh, limited KYC AML. They allow Americans or did allow Americans for a long time to use their global exchange, which is not permissible. They have uh, a number of. I agree. I'm not saying they're good. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, they're yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just oh, saying. Okay. I'm just okay. being as. I'm trying not to, okay. uh, you know, yeah, yeah, say anything yeah. so, too yeah. okay. so, too uh, pejorative in terms of, you know, getting in in trouble. Yeah, and so they they not dissimilar to to Bitmax, um, um, when the CEOs that flaunt um, openly government government compliance, um, you know, the governments are now looking at Binance and saying, you know, okay, you should comply with these rules, specifically the ones that are geared towards anti-money laundering. And the securities thing is another issue. That securities things comes out of Germany. And, you know, you, are not, you have to register in order to be able to trade securities and do it in a compliant fashion. And they weren't doing that as well. Um, and there are exchanges that have done it in compliance ways such as such as Bittrex and FTX, et cetera. So, you know, I think that if you want to play in this field, you need to have the, at least the minimum threshold of, of, of compliance, which are going to be KYC, money, anti-money laundering, compliance with FATF, which is the, what is the travel rule, um, and, and most of the exchanges, if not all of them, um, I've already moved in that direction and Binance is the outlier in, in that. And, you know, it's now time for them to, to go in that direction. And um, having said that, 
they are raising money for their U.S. operation in a big way. And all those same, you know, classic characters that we know that finance exchanges are, are considering that as well uh, as soon as they know what their, their, the potential regulatory exposure is. What what do you think is going to happen to the people? It will be who are offered a very comfortable off ramp into a fully regulated environment where the shareholders of Binance will be uh, the usual suspects. Uh, okay. Um, other huge headlines at the moment: the White House says it is alerting Facebook about posts that spread COVID nineteen misinformation, and the U.S. Surgeon General calls on. Social media companies to tap uh, official White House press secretary says that some uh, uh, just a very few number of 12 or 16 different accounts on Facebook are responsible for uh, the vast majority, 70 ish percent of all of the COVID misinformation. And when fa they confront Facebook, it says Biden officials meeting with Facebook about vaccine information concluded Facebook is either not taking our concerns seriously or is hiding something. <laughs> CNN sources say that Biden officials are saying that uh, Facebook is either not taking the White House seriously or that they are hiding something. And Facebook uh, publishes its first quarterly oversight board updates, notifying it fully or partially implemented 14 of 18 board recommendations. And the U.S. announces anti-ransomware measures, including rewards for up to $10 million for information about foreign state-sanctioned hackers targeting critical infrastructure. Uh, clearly a move to try and uh, crowdsource catching these hackers with a $10 million bounty. Not, not shabby. Microsoft and Citizen Lab say spy uh, say government hackers from several countries. We covered that one. Um, Google Cloud VP leaves Google after staff complain about his manifesto called "We Are One" that he posted online about his past anti-Semitism. Google Cloud has abruptly parted with Developer Relations VP, according to its internal email seen by CNBC. Companies are taking supply chain risks due to the global chip shortage, which we just talked about, with some falling victim to fraudsters and sellers hawking counterfeit chips. This is a big new thing. And uh, we, as we mentioned earlier today, Facebook Messenger adds sound emojis, which are little crazy sounds that people can play um, instead of sending you little text emojis. PayPal increases its weekly cryptocurrency purchase limit to $100,000, a 5x increase. And Facebook now say, this is breaking news, Facebook says BlenderBot 2.0, its updated AI chatbot, can recall past conversations that span months and search the internet to update itself about chat topics. So now you can have chats with your past friends who have passed away, as if they never passed away, like Anthony Bourdain. ShopMonkey, which provides cloud-based software for auto repair, shop management, raises a bunch of money. Chinese, China's central bank says its digital yuan trial reached $5.3 billion in transaction value by the end of June, but won't set a timeline for official rollout. But they're definitely making progress. And this is a big one. Amazon Heyman sent this one. Many people did. AWS announces general availability of Amazon Health Lake a HIPAA-eligible service that allows 
help organizations to store and work with health data in Amazon's so, cloud. So Tyler, you hit on so many of the mm. subjects that we were just talking about before. If you look at the Facebook piece where they're, they, they're deciding what misinformation is and we're seeing that there is a social exploit going on there and how important perceptions are in terms of controlling behaviors. So imagine that that company is now your financial data. That's what we would call your social data. And then the final one that you read out was about Amazon and the health lake, and that's your healthcare data. And of course, what I was saying before is that those giant companies that are supporting the entire equity markets at the moment, you know, the, the MAGA stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon are the only stocks that are keeping the S&P 500 up at the moment, 50% uh, of the S&P is trading below uh, their 50-day moving averages or was at the end of last week when I last looked. And so these are, you know, these are es essential businesses to America, essential infrastructure at this point. And you see as we're you know, going towards these decentralized identity and how they're saying, oh, this, you can contribute this in a HIPAA compliant way, but you can understand that if they're running their AI over that information and you're not getting the benefit of that information, think how asymmetric their knowledge is versus yours. Or, or any competitor exactly. who doesn't have the, the data. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I've made it very clear, as we do regularly here, that the big data companies, and they are data companies, um, masquerading as social networks and search engines uh, that are getting into, they now want to have their target set on med, med data, med tech data, med, your medical data, your and then education data, insurance data, because they can bring all of their AI machine learning powered um, algorithms to um, in, to, into an unfair advantage. Uh, you know, it's like a machine gun versus a slingshot in terms of competing with traditional undata savvy companies like insurance companies, med tech, med medical industry, uh, education. The funny thing is, in the article itself, it'll actually go into three major, all three major companies that's Amazon, um, Google, and Microsoft, all working in this field. And the funny thing is, Amazon, the way it's done it, it's actually going after the initial. Uh, delivery of information, right? So initial creation of information. They're working with an app called uh, basically Transcribe Medical. So what they do is they actually transcribe the medical speech. That's everything, errors, everything included, right? And they're going to actually create notes, the medical notes that go into the electronic health records. Remember, I was saying before that the electronic health records are the, it's like a fortress now. They're controlled by a few companies that will not let any disruptors get in right? Because they've actually locked these hospital systems to their contracts and locked up the data. So the only way you can get to the data is to either work on the periphery. So Amazon, the way it's doing it, it's smart. They're actually going to do the transcribe part, which is basically the provider transcribing the information to the electronic health record, but in the, you're the intermediary. So they're tapping into all that data, right? And then what Google is trying to do is they're trying to say, okay, we'll give you the AI, just dump all your health data into it, and we will help sort it out through our technologies, right? Our sourcing and searching technologies. And, and don't forget, Microsoft is playing here too with their yep, Azure. nuance. So. Yes, well, nuance exactly. Too, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. And DID. Yep. Okay. So other fantastic, we've got, I've got 
30 headlines to jump into and feel free to jump in for some comments here. Uh, Nalormi sent in one about finding grace, a murder, DNA and ancestry. BBC News says how a novel use of DNA and ancestry websites is helping police uncover clues in cold case murders. But they're not really being transparent about that. In fact, they're using uh, forcing access to information inside of 23andMe and ancestry to solve cases. Uh, and so how a novel use of DNA and ancestry websites is helping police uncover is this clues um, in Tyler. cold murder cases. And is fact, this the, the company called Othram? Say again. Because like the, yeah, it's, it's, a very, yeah, it's it, super interesting. Uh, how do you spell it? O-T-H-R-A-M. Othram, yes. Othram, a Houston-based tech company, was founded shortly after the D'Angelo breakthrough that they discuss in this article with the goal to solve unsolvable cases using new technology. The company uses data sources like those provided by GEDmatch and has helped law enforcement crack a series of high-profile murders and missing people cases. In November 2020, Othram took on Grace's case and... it went through the same process. The answer is yes. Shauna's DNA was degraded and had bacterial contamination. Othram cleaned up Grace's DNA, created a genetic profile that could then be run through several genealogy websites. Yeah, it's nice stuff. Very good. So uh, the next, I just, by the way, when I mention these headlines, I tweet them out simultaneously. We We mentioned how... The the big final in between England and Italy in the final shootout where there was a whole bunch of racism kind of spewing on the social networks and the social networks responded as best they could. And now Instagram, ad, ad, the headline from BBC says Instagram admits moderation mistake over racist comments. And um, because it was, uh, they say the social media platform said its technology had been erroneously identifying the comments as benign. And so they're, they're apologizing and, but no doubt endlessly optimizing. And hopefully next time there's a huge world profile event um, that can be avoided. Um, And then somebody, uh, Marcus in the, who joins us regularly sent in uh, one from fast company called how VR could make you smarter. A scientist just proved that virtual reality can induce powerful brain states for intelligence and health. And now he believes the virtual sky is the limit. So just tweeted that one out. And there was a re- some potentially related headline yesterday that um, v- VR escape rooms, where v- I think most people know what escape rooms are. It's ca- quite popular in parts of America as an, a fun thing to do with your friends instead of going bowling as you go to what's called an escape room and you have to escape this, you know, uh, it's as if you've been kidnapped together with your friends and you have to figure out how to escape and there's clues hidden in the room and whatnot. And you have to put your heads together and solve all the, all of these clues. And you can do this in VR as well. And that doing escape rooms in VR and schools, the clues could be math puzzles or science puzzles and all kinds of interesting puzzles. And that this process of using determination to solve a serious problem is really what you want to teach people to do, uh, to to be con- you know 
persistent in solving problems. And um, so that this VR escape rooms could be really useful in, in the education process. And this article that was just sent in is about, um, about for more than 70 years, scientists have known about a brain phenomena called theta rhythm. To oversimplify it, your brain thinks not just in frequencies, but in syncopated beats. And the theta is the most prominent rhythm of the brain. Theta rhythms are active when we're awake, then increase when we walk. They disappear when we sleep, but crop back up when we dream. And in more than 70,000 studies and counting, theta rhythms have been shown to be critical in cognition, learning, and memory. And we see them go awry in maladies like Alzheimer's, ADHD, attention and deficit disorder, anxiety, and epilepsy. And for years, drugs have attempted to boost theta rhythms by attaching themselves to neurons in our brain with varied success. But now, for the first time, scientists at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, found a way to increase theta rhythms in mice simply by putting them inside virtual reality simulation. And you're asking yourself the right question. How did they put VR headsets on mice? That's a great question. I would like to know myself. Can be done. Uh, I would love Actually, to see that. we have an expert that, that, in Clubhouse. Yes. I can figure it out. Yeah. But um, but apparently you can get VR headsets to stimulate theta brain states. And um, so, Tyler, could I paint you, uh, using the, your stories a, a nightmare picture? And the nightmare picture goes like this: you oh, go and please. do your ancestry test, where you have uh, provided them with a, a, a DNA sample of. Of, of, of your uh, spit, I think, is required. And then you've answered 300 questions. Yes. And they, and this is the, the truth, this is not the nightmare scenario yet. They have, uh, before you have Correct. received your results, which they just give you a nice presentation of all the things you told them, plus some very basic DNA stuff, you have effectively exchanged your DNA and they have added that profile to uh, a database that enables uh, them to monetize the information you gave them for $300 and the $125 or whatever you pay them to do it. Well, it's probably cheaper now. And so you have your private DNA information now on Ancestry's database, which was until recently, I think, owned by the uh, Mormon church, was the founders of Ancestry, and who have a big interest in uh, identity so, yeah. data uh, by all accounts. Exactly. Huge, huge and, interest in um, ancestry. Anyway, this yeah. is not the nightmare part still. And you have, uh, you. Have... No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I no, thought the Mormon Church the way was the, the world scary part. Okay, moment. go ahead. And um, and uh, you are uh, reselling that data, and that's a a, a, a private business. And um, now they're obviously using that data or allowing access to that data by law enforcement agencies, and those law enforcement agencies are, of course. Um, elect, well, they're, they're people that are uh, within economies, depends on how free your economy is, is how free your police force is to enforce laws that are um, maybe indicating information that is not, in your opinion, um, illegal. But if you were in Georgia, I think, as we saw Georgia, the state, there were some uh, gay people that were murdered, uh, I think, over the last few days. Um, for being gay as part of a, a journalist, I think it was as part of a, um, a gay pride uh, thing that was going on there. And so, it, you know, who watches the Watchmen is the beginning of the nightmare because it is good to catch, you know, rapists and murderers. 
but what happens if that data is used to impinge on your human rights and on a different version of uh, of what is true and what's not true and what's real and what's not real so this is when you start to move into the dystopia that people fear but it's actually real because this is what we're talking about today and then you go into your um uh, virtual reality uh, headset and you uh, because they can push a lot of uh, information through the perception of your eyes they know through the social data and the financial data and everything else that you're consuming how to uh, create a, a very compelling social environment just like the mouse which is not wearing a headset but is inside of a box that sim stimulates those brain theta brain waves and those theta brain waves effectively adjust your perceptions so you're now going through some meditation uh, relaxation through your uh, retina and uh, you're effectively handing your perceptions to this um, wonderful uh, you know, technology company that is giving you this really cool uh, gaming platform but they also have the identity platform and the financial platform and in fact all of your access to your reality is now virtual and is no longer yours and then you go to an escape room and actually they're fingerprinting everything that you're touching so that you're always a part of this system um sounds like fun no um I'm curious, though, but I, we're... I like how you you match my 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 own cynical potential. Yeah, but Tyler, from an international sense, how many of our people are really worried about uh, identity when you hear about VR making you smarter and all these other like you know platforms allowing you to, to do things that we take for granted in the West? Like we're worried about our identity, right? But I know in our international rooms and discussions. A lot of people are not. Even Cheryl would argue that no, not many people are interested, worried about identity because they're more worried about, you know, putting food on their tables, trying to achieve, like get to the middle class, get their kids into schools. Like, how much are we pushing this too much that we could endanger uh, certain progress? Or that's that's how you get the base information is through the finances. Right. That's why the CBDCs are coming because. If you want access to social credit and you want access to social benefit, you'll need to provide that KYC AML data, of course, and that will become the tracking and tracing that is the civil liberties uh, via the back door being destroyed. Hey, hey, man, even in the West, a lot of us give away lots of information about ourselves just to get discounts and all sorts of stuff. I mean, let's be real about this. We might talk a lot about all this freedom, this, that, but at the end of the day, we all have given out our valuable information for all sorts of reasons. Okay, it's not just in the you know, developing countries and so on. Mohan, it starts and finishes on the, as you well know, the latest data is the most valuable data because uh, you could spend all of your money uh, five minutes ago and no longer be creditworthy. So just like uh, the physics of the universe stands on, uh, you know, this constant. Uh, expansion, uh, so does uh, data. So the latest data is always more valuable. And if you were to reconcile all the data and be the center of all knowledge as you are in terms of your own consciousness, you would be a lot more valuable than an incomplete picture of you held by uh, a, a variety of financial and uh, technological institutions.
But you know, in our daily lives, we all operate with partial information anyway. We can't hope to get complete information about anything. Why can't we hope to get complete information when we have, uh, we're moving towards technologies that can enable that? Why do we have to write off our self sovereignty just because you can't imagine it today? That's how progress is made. So if I, I'm if not I disrespecting if I may just again, so once, or, once again, sure, we're all a bunch of hypocrites, most of us probably, because we all give our data away. But once again, in the same context, in any in anything like this, it's always been everyone everyone was a hypocrite and then a few stood up, did something, and then everyone came along. Once again, things take time. I'll stop. Thank you. Yeah, but having spent my entire life on you know databases and transaction processing, I, I worked at the lab where relationships. And I respect that. Come and work with us, Mohan. Come and work. Send me a send me a DM. Come and work with us because we have not given up, and we're working with amazing people like you. Our lead developer is the uh, founder of .NET. He is the uh, previously was a technical fellow at Microsoft. I know you're a fellow at IBM. Join us. Your genius can be added to uh, our genius in terms of, I'm not the genius, by the way, I'm just a, a community member. By the way, this will be a great fireside chat to have among the greats here. I mean, honestly, like Tyler, I think we should do this as a great room. Because honestly, I, in, the, in the next few weeks, yeah. uh, we'll be, I'll be able to bring Mike on and Mike and Mohan can talk. And I, I think that would be a great idea. There's some, there's some learnings, right? There's some great learnings from the past and present and future. Like, I think this is what's needed, honestly. Like, that'll be great. Let us know, please. For us, we will make ourselves say... and Mohan, we will make ourselves available and we will uh, obey all of uh, the, um, you know, normal courtesies of, of debate. Dieter Monter, you, you were saying something. Yeah, for us, I, I was just going to say that we all have this utopian, utopian, idealistic kind of vision yes, for lots of things. But mm -hmm. history has shown us, you, you take whatever technology, object-oriented, this, that, and so on. We mm -hmm. couldn't complete this whole idealistic kind of vision that we all had to come to fruition because there are too many variables in this world. So whether it's data integration, semantic web, this, that, Understood. yeah, we all have a you know distant vision no, of no one could imagine the iphone when the nokia was the state of the art and look where we are now i just don't believe that mohan i think it's a limiting thought and i think that history especially the expansion that has accrued through metcalf's law in terms of communication networks and moore's law in terms of computation just contradicts the idea that we cannot evolve to a technology that is owned of by and for the people that is enables us to stand up for our self-sovereignty. And the fact that you want to just write off that possibility is sad because you can contribute to this. It's not, no, no, that, that's it's not only him, though, Nicholas. It's not only him. I think it's a large segment H of him, our population. No, hold on, hold on for us. I think it's a large segment of the population who believes this, too. So it's, it's, it's a good conversation sure. to have. I think we should have. No, let's not have it here. But let's have it later because I think we have a lot more technology. Well, seeing is right? believing. Seeing is yeah. believing for many people. So you've Absolutely. got to actually so look. No, no, if, if, if I, we're going to solve this here, right? Yeah. So if I might just say one one last thing, Monster, I truly value the amount of uh, uh, the amount of education knowledge that you have in the matter. However, I think even if there's a point five percent chance that the that the contempt might well, be holding it, the the five uh, that the contempt might be holding the two percent investigation. Let's give it a shot and go into a side room and talk about it and let's continue with tech news. You know, for us, there's always a cost-benefit trade-off with all this. As I say, it's a zero-sum game. Where are we going to put our money? 
I, I, let's I, take I've it said, into a room, sir. Let's the future room, the future room, yeah. We're going to jump ahead here. The uh, whoa, a whole bunch of I have 30 headlines to get through here. So but we can we can pause between them. Um, JT, you just shared uh, yes. about the so Vertex Stadium. Mm-hmm. The first the first true mm-hmm. virtual yeah, reality um, stadium so for eSports. Recreate the, um, the eSports environment and experience that you normally have in person. And take it to, I guess, um, well, it's going to be on the Oculus and also Steam VR uh, using your PC. Uh, so it's going to be 200 users maximum. You're going to be able to engage in this lobby prior to the actual match as a hologram and be able to interact into social VR experience. Uh, so pretty much right now it's going into open uh, beta version later this year. So it's going to be interesting how you can take the esports realm and actually make it. Uh, virtual because not a lot of people can attend um, these esports uh, arenas in person, whether geographically mm-hmm. or monetary reasons. Uh, but also watching esports on a two D, um, you know, display is not the same as being in person. And making it very spatial in three D takes it to a whole other level of actually yeah. being there and immersed. And Faraz, you just sent one about and financial backed cacao pay. Uh, in which is the South Korea's largest online payment service with 36 million users in Korea, which is yes, yeah, a, a whole lot of Koreans using KakaoPay, are now told to revise their prospectus for their upcoming Korean IPO, uh, which sounds a little bit like what happened to AntPay itself in China, <laughs> um, which got and eventually got shut down. And ironically, that this is backed by Ant Financial, but it's a Korean app. So let's I mean, let's hope they're able to make. I mean, I'll, I'll just make one comment. So apparently, they're going after yeah. everyone and anything and anything related to anyone and any fingerprinting billionaires related to anything outside of China, anything outside the border isn't happening. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I wonder if who's who's uh, told them to revise the prospectus. The Korean authorities. I don't know. Yes, Korean asked was asked by Korean regulators. So I'm wondering, because in the case of China, it's like the government clearly is starting to realize the value of the data that Ant Financial had, which is a big part that we now understand is very likely to be one of the big reasons that they uh, had their own selfish interests in stopping that IPO, because they, as we now know, had plans for a state company to acquire. Uh, emerge with them so that they could use their financial history data to establish a consumer uh, citizen credit score for Chinese citizens, which no doubt will merge with the social credit score, which is truly dystopian. But uh, in this case, I wonder if the Korean regulators also realize the value of the data of KakaoPay and the importance uh, and the kind of power that this app has, because uh, you've got the payment history of so many Koreans and um, governments are all of a sudden all simultaneously waking up to the power of these big fintech apps and and (laughs) pausing their IPOs to analyze all the data. So uh, the next interesting headline I've got here is again from Faraz about impossible foods to launch chicken nuggets 
uh, into brewing faux chicken battle, have into a uh, now uh, a, a bit of a, f a fake chicken battle. We have a lot of from multiple startups coming to the market with similar faux chicken solutions and some even real chicken solutions, lab-grown chicken meat as well. I've seen four in the past week, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Beef and chicken are a whole incredible amount of, but the, the beautiful part is, you know, they're much less environmental impact in all of these solutions. But they're hungry. extremely bad for you. And yeah. Agree. Yes. Tyler, how, can, how about tuna? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, Subway Subway has magically created a tuna sandwich that has no actual tuna, but yet they're claiming it does, and that's the real. But but uh, but they say, they're not saying that Subway, uh, Subway sandwich bread is not bread. That's true too. Well, Ireland, the cor a court in Ireland is saying that Subway sandwiches bread is actually not bread. Is it cake? <laughs> and. <laughs> Yes, they're considering uh, it cake. Quick, quick, no, no, cake. The, the ones, the, the ones that I've seen, most are coming out of Asia. <laughs> sorry, sorry for the interruption. Yeah, sorry. that's right. Uh, betting big on Brooklyn, Netflix opens its first New York studio. The streaming giant has pledged to spend more than a hundred million dollars in New York City, uh, setting up a big Brooklyn, uh, New York office. And we covered the VR stadium. COVID still killing Americans faster than guns, cars, and flu combined uh, from Bloomberg, just tweeting that one out. And it's going to get a lot worse now that Delta's made it to America. You did it. You did it, Delta. You made it to Can America. And that, you're going to just wipe out a whole bunch of unvaccinated and, and people. And maybe yes, him or us. some of the medical experts might be able to answer. So one, we had the original pandemic, the built-up traffic from healthcare procedures that weren't done. And this is my assumption, which I wrote in, in, in the headline. So you had those. Then you had the original pending uh, uh, procedures that were coming in. And now you have, the, and, and you'll see another headline coming up, which is now you have the heat wave that is causing a whole bunch of other pressure on the healthcare systems. And so you got Delta, you got the original pandemic, you got the heat wave, and this is, uh, to me, it's uh, it's bigger than the original wave of the pandemic and the major healthcare and, crisis about the Iraq. And for the us, there's a, little there's a little part that you didn't mention that's also very common right now is because the younger children haven't gained some of the regular immunity to things like RSV, it's a very common virus. Um, there's a lot of children going in for RSV, and please, uh, any doctors that are on the front lines confirm or deny this, but it's just this... Yeah, and here in the UK, just to kind of round that out, it's uh, the the cases are rising on the headlines with the BBC, but also I, I also heard on the radio today the, uh, 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 the a hospital in Birmingham had to uh, uh, to take off all routine surgeries for two days because of the expected uh, work on COVID patients, uh, which is and and on Monday they're essentially opening up the entire country like all restrictions gone more or less and they're still sticking with that deadline this is the uh second act the delta and what will come after it being lambda um, which is already emerging and the correlation of this to the need for tracking and tracing and the correlation of the need for distributing some form of social credits in order to be able to retire sections of the workforce whilst they are infected Apocryphally, my own three children who've been at camp 
uh, as camp counselors this last few weeks have each uh, big, you know caught some sort of uh, cold or virus that is their sort of re you know reintroduction to each other um, that has you know each time gone for COVID tests which have come out negative but this is definitely you know testimony to the fact that re reintegrating with each other is 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 definitely um, problematic. Okay, some more juicy headlines. Uh, after Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp published their compliance reports in India, as they now have to do every month, and Twitter, TikTok, who got kicked out of India, is saying, we would love to do a report for you if you'll let us back in, pretty, pretty, please. Um, but now it's the data is starting to be revealed. WhatsApp banned 2 million Indian accounts in the past month while it received 345 grievance reports um, that they addressed between, yeah, for the month of May 15th to June 15th. And we will continue, I guess we're going to know uh, what the numbers are in these reports. The big question is, and we did get a bit of an answer from Twitter, that they cleverly, obfuscatedly, uh, nebulously revealed that India is actually asking for the identities of the people who are making comments that hurt dear leaders' feelings. And the question is, what are they going to do with those identities? We will find yeah. out in the next episode of um, Have You Called Your Mother to Say Goodbye? Yeah, Tyler. Dave it's calls like them those big heavies, right? <laughs> yeah, it, I like it's it. Like, it's like Christmas every day because we're getting a new report from another <laughs> social media company, right? And it's going to be yeah. monthly, so it's going to get interesting to see that. If you're not afraid now, I just don't understand. Uh, so um, other headlines happening at the moment. This, this one you have to see with your eyes because it's a video of a former IndyCar race winner who became paralyzed from the neck down in a crash in 2000 is now back behind the wheel on the track in a high-tech car he can drive without using his arms or his legs. And you have to see it with your own eyes as he's driving the car with nothing but his head. So that's on the Twitter account, which you can see on my photo. The letters uh, above my head are, is the Twitter account, TNATW. So please do give that a follow as I'm tweeting all of these articles in real time. And uh, the next one up is a similar kind of interesting super sci-fi brain story uh, that someone named Pam just sent in, and I'm just tweeting it out now. And it says, scientists create injectable swarm of brain-reading nanosensors. Scientists built a nanobot swarm that can read and transmit your brain activity. Maybe that's how he's driving the car. Allowing them to wirelessly diagnose disease or analyze neural signals. And a, yeah, a cell-sized nanosensors aptly named NeuroSwarm can cross the blood-brain barrier to the brain where they convert neural activity into electrical signals allowing them to read and interpret, be interpreted by machinery according to work by a team at University of California, Santa Cruz. The tech could, the researchers say, help grant extra mobility to people with disabilities in addition to helping scientists understand human thought better than before. 
could it, maybe it's even uh, help you drive a car if you don't have arms or legs and you crashed uh, in an indie race in 2000. However, they haven't yet been tested on humans or animals. Fantastic. Um, and then this one's a little uh, less happy news. The C uh, CCP channel reposts video threatening to nuke Japan if it defends Taiwan, as it said it would do. Uh, if Japan in the past week has said if uh, China attacks Taiwan that they would join America in defending it. And now, according to Taiwan, a news outlet in Taiwan, the CCP, a CCP channel is reposting videos threatening to nuke Japan if it defends Taiwan. The video calls for what it calls Japan exception theory for first use of nukes if Japan comes to Taiwan's aid during Chinese What's invasion. What's the source? A video repost. Taiwan News. It says, a video reposted by the CCP committee in northeastern China on Sunday, July 11th, threatens to continuously use nuclear bombs against Japan if it attempts to interfere with this. On Sunday, the Boji Municipal Community of the CCP reposted a video to the YouTube-like platform called Zhigua, X-I-G-U-A, in the five-minute video created by military commentary channel Liujin Taoliu. The narrator calls for nuclear attacks against Japan if it attempts to defend Taiwan from Chinese attacks and, pro and proposes a quote-unquote, Japan exception theory. The video starts by saying that if Japan dares to intervene with force, when China liberates Taiwan, the communist country would respond is this with an all-out war is against this Japan. An agent, it, it uh, is this saber-rattling as a proxy of the state? Is that the implication? I would assume so. Uh, human rights activist Jennifer Zhang added English subtitles to the video and uploaded it to her Twitter account on Tuesday. Zhang also managed to download a follow-up video before it was deleted. Hey. Anyway, yeah, it sounds hey, like Tyler. Uh, Wolf Warrior Diplomacy. Hey, Tyler, this we has a long it. history, right? Yes, Japan invading China and all that, so it's pretty messy in the long-term sense of the relationship between the two countries. Uh, well, you're you're implying they're two different countries. I'm talking about Japan versus China. I'm talking about Japan. Versus oh, got I mean, you. Okay. You know, even in yeah. Singapore, because Japan invaded Singapore and occupied it for three years and so on, the history is all fraught with all sorts of atrocities that the Japanese created. Oh yeah, I, I've read the I've read the Rape of Nanking. I'm, I'm and I lived in Japan. So I'm I lived aware. for six. I lived it for six um, weeks in Nanjing. I can so, say you get reminded frequently. I had a Chinese girlfriend who reminded me, who insisted I read the book when she realized I speak Japanese and lived in Japan for many years. So, uh, yeah, um, the argument for AR marketing. Uh, why brands should embrace AR marketing. Indeed, they should. It's going to give them an asymmetrical advantage for sure, as we've discussed endlessly here. And you can read about it in the article I just tweeted from Dr. Fran to the Tech News Twitter account, why brands should embrace AR marketing. Since the pandemic, augmented reality has graduated from novelty experience to mainstream expectation. And indeed, in the very near future, uh, you will be walking around with an AR headset and every item you pass by will be clickable and buyable and shipped to your house in 30 minutes. 
at half the price of what it will cost in the store that you're standing in, which could be the end for brick and mortar stores because it will be all too easy now to look at any object, click the little invisible half price discount and have it shipped to your house instantly all in one click. So um, best of luck to brick and mortar stores in the age of AR glasses shopping. And how AI and robotics are enabling amazing virtual reality solutions. Again, from Dr. Fran, I'm tweeting this one out and it says, uh, neural, neural networks do a 3D body scan using only two photos and enabling uh, virtual reality solutions like uh, you that you basically have to see from this uh, tweet that I'm trying to tweet, but I'm not able to tweet. I got to refresh that. Hopefully that will fix it. It doesn't. Okay. Moving on for one second here. Um, did we get it? We tweeted it. Mission accomplished. Next one. Oh, we covered the Amazon launches Health Lake in general availability. Amazon launched the new big data analytic service for healthcare providers. Nothing to worry about. They just want your sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy health data. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? Bank of Japan will offer zero interest funds to help financial institutions with their own push to address climate change that could threaten economic growth and financial stability. So if you, uh, yeah, Bank of Japan to offer zero interest funds to lenders serious about climate change. The BOJ says it will offer zero interest funds to help financial institutions uh, battle climate change. That's fantastic. Free money. And tired of traffic jams, Mercedes plans autumn launch of self-driving feature for the Autobahn. It says Mercedes is in talks with regulators to bring the first eyes off self-driving feature to Germany's Autobahn later this year ahead of other rivals, including Tesla. Daimler's uh, premium brand aims to offer a highway pilot in its flagship S-Class sedan that that in certain situations can assume full responsibility for operating the vehicle, freeing drivers from the legal obligation to keep their attention fixed on the road. The pilot will focus on start and stop traffic rather than Autobahn famous speeds. Here's the quote. We're working with the authorities to safely introduce this technology initially at speeds of up to 60 kilometers per hour or 37 miles per hour, said Chief Executive Ola Kalenius uh, said at the PricewaterhouseCoopers Digital Automotive Talk on Thursday, this is not the first time Germany's government has been quick to embrace one of the auto industry's hottest trends. In May, both houses of parliament passed legislative legislation leg legalizing robo-taxis for commercial use. One of the rare instances where policymakers didn't lag behind innovation, and that tells you how powerful Germany's car companies are with their own governments. For over five years, automakers have been promising self-driving cars were just around the corner, only to repeatedly delay their plans after underestimating the complexity of bringing the technology safely to market, but not in Germany, where the car companies are the boss and they tell the, the country how it's it, going to it happen. It didn't used to be this way in America, though, right? I mean, when I was in college, I remember hearing that one in six people were involved in the automotive supply chain um, and were SAE members, you know, and and now I don't know what the number is. Yeah, G Germany has a 
a car, a bit of a car problem, a car dependency problem. Um, new space radiate. Oh, this is a wild one. Of every 10 astronauts sent to Mars, one would die of cancer from the trip due to radiation. Even with proposed rules, 100% of colonists uh, will eventually die of uh, radiation exposure. New space radiation limits needed for NASA astronauts, report says. Although meant to minimize risk to human health, the protocol sets new limits would still be exceeded by any conceivable near future crude voyage to Mars from Scientific American. Sounds like a very upbeat read, that one. And Dr. Danish, you sent in one about COVID in Africa. COVID roars through Africa, 1 million cases in the last one month as they struggle to increase their limited supply of vaccines as they're sort of last in the queue to get vaccines, regrettably. And we just got them here in Southeast Asia, by the way. And Africa records a million new cases in a month. It's fastest increase so far. The continent, currently undergoing a third wave of coronavirus, has reported about 6 million infections in total, along with some 153,000 deaths from the New York Times. Thank you, Dr. Donish. And Cal sent in one letting us know that China's Xiaomi uh, overtakes Apple in the global smartphone market as Xiaomi makes phones that are on a specs basis uh, similar and often um, better than Apple at a third of the price. And that's why Xiaomi had a 17% market share of global smartphone shipments ahead of Apple's 14%, but just trailing Samsung's 19%, which they will pass in the next six months because Xiaomi is not someone you want to screw with (laughs) in smartphone sales because it is unbelievable the price of their phones uh, based yes, on the in specs. Terms of I volume, have one right? myself. Not and profitability. In fact, yeah, market share, but not profitability. Market share. Correct. Uh, correct. Uh, Maria, uh, who joins us almost daily, uh, also messaged me saying that I should get a commission deal with Xiaomi because she just bought one. And, and again, when she went to the store, she was just stunned looking at the specs of how Xiaomi... Uh, is half the price for, or even a third of the price for the same space. Hey, hey, of, uh, I, love, I have a quick question. And then it's, uh, uh, I assume it's, uh, of yes. course, Android. Yes. Whatever happened to the Huawei restrictions on Android yes. being used, were they lifted or what's the current story? I'm just curious. How many? The, the currently, currently, Google is not able to offer Android to. Huawei. So Huawei had to make their own version of Android, which they okay. call Harmony, Harmony OS. And prior to that, they had to make their own app store because the first ruling was that Google could not offer the Android app store. So they made their own Huawei store and then they had to make their whole own OS, which is just a com- complete carbon copy of Android, really. And so the app developers don't really have to do much at all to make their apps compatible with Harmony OS and Thanks, the Taylor. Harmony OS app store. Yeah. Um, Xiaomi co-founder is in the headlines that just donated $2.2 billion of shares to charity. Um, and makes sense as he just passed Apple as the... Uh, 
one of the perhaps the second largest uh, phone smartphone manufacturer. Dune, the up, upcoming movie that a lot of uh, sci-fi geeks are super excited about. It's going to be a major, you know, Hollywood blockbuster. Um, in Dune is a classic sci-fi movie that many geeks remember fondly. And it's coming back. And the headline from Variety out of Hollywood is that Dune passes Chinese censorship and to the relief of fans. So Dune is now officially going to be a movie now that China's approved it. And that's just, that's how business is done, the big Hollywood movies. And they also the Chinese censors have to approve your movie to be shown in China. Will they be doing digital yuan in the movie or like placement, product placement? Maybe some product placement. There certainly won't be any Taiwanese mentions or Taiwanese mm. flags or anything of that sort. And um, yeah, Dune has been approved by Chinese censors for theatrical release in the world's largest film market. So it's it's been green-lighted. We've got Dune. Dune is a go. And face, uh, our friend Michelle, who works at Facebook and who joins us every day, thankfully, sent us what Facebook's response to the racial insensitive content that uh, came out as a result of the Euro Cup final. And they Facebook made an update of what they're doing to tackle online hate uh, with more tools and policies and actions uh, to tackle these issues. And uh, good to see that they certainly are taking it seriously. Twitter uh, has done its first compliance report for India, where it says it has blocked over 18,000 accounts and acted against 133 posts. Twitter released its first grievance redress report under the new IT, India's new IT rules, covering the period uh, of May to June. And this is fantastic. We're going to get these new monthly reports, <laughs> these compliance grievance reports of all of the big tech companies. Uh, the social media companies in India. And again, Twitter did hint in in its own post yesterday that India is asking for the identities of uh, accounts that use pseudonyms, which is rather concerning. And Vietnam is now insisting on the identities, uh, verified identities of any account with more than 10,000 followers. And that is the beginnings of the end where countries are now forcing the social networks to have verified identities or get out of our country. That's happening. It just started. Vietnam just was the first. India is going to be the second. And then Russia and everybody else, all the big economies will go first. And these apps are going to be more than willing to comply because of the huge market opportunity when they become e-commerce portals and it's no longer about hars starts and hars starts stars and hearts and clicks and likes and follows it's about purchases and buy buttons and commissions and cash registers and it, there's so many billions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars at stakes potentially trillions that they can't drag their greedy asses away from it, and they will do whatever those countries tell them to do. So that's why we're going to see uh, identity verification on all of these apps in the very near future. That's a very easy prediction. So um, we covered Binance faces regular... Oh, Lithuania is now the latest uh, country uh, with regulatory issues with Binance. We covered that. 
And let's just go one last time through the tweets and see what we've got here. Um, David, you've got this one about best practice training data and algorithm development utilizing synthetic juicy, juicy data. Unity's Danny Lang explains why synthetic data is better than the real thing. Yeah, his his uh, some of his specific use case in the article is the uh, is the the shopping right the cameras that are used for the autonomous shopping uh, kind of like what Amazon does that uh, by creating basically a you can think of it as like a video game to 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 model all the different things that can visually occur that you are throwing a lot more data training data to in your algorithm development in your pipeline so it's uh, it's a way to improve the uh, to to complement real world data as you're trying to optimize your uh, mm. your your efforts. Cool. So just a few more here. We got this one that about the new emojis that are coming out now, including a pregnant man and a multiracial handshake emojis approved for launch. Additional emojis will oh, complete Unicode's on. drive to offer really? more variety and and gender neutral options. Jeez. Pregnant man emoji coming your way. I'm, I'm going to be using the hell emoji. out of that one. Or, or, or it's Thanksgiving man. Either you can, either way, take it however you want. It's the man after Thanksgiving, after way too much turkey. Cause it kind of looks like me after Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, is it wrong for me to use a yellow, to be fair. like a yellow emoji Tesla, when I'm brown? Like, is it Okay. I'm just curious, like, this is getting a little bit out of hand. I don't know what color to match with, too, sometimes. When I go out in the sun, I get really dark. And when I go, don't go out in the sun because of COVID? Well, please, please do please do your best okay. in keeping true to whatever to, color you I have to match to be my emoji to that. Okay, fine. Solar I have been doing it wrong. Jeez. Well, if you, if you tan yourself, you should update oh, your emoji geez. color. That's just common sense. So Tesla will likely launch a flying car business by 2050. That could be worth... $1,000 per share, according to Morgan Stanley. The chance that Tesla does not ultimately offer products and services to the flying car market is remote, Morgan well, if you... Stanley says. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, indeed. I'll Hyundai. just shut up. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Hyundai's... No, no, no. Hyundai's clearly shown what they're up to, and it's quite a sexy th- machine. There's a white paper I'll share, and they pretty much um, said it's the idiots on yeah. the road that are going to keep us from going autonomous, so we're going in the air. Yeah, I'm loving it. I want to do that. Uh, Saudi's Grand Mosque sees growing use of robots in serving pilgrims. The presidency is increasingly using robots for sterilization, epidemic control, and the distribution of blessed Zamzam water at the Grand Mosque. Did you say sterilization? Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) I was wondering if anyone would pick up on that. Indeed, I did. The The presidency is increasing use of robots for sterilization, epidemic control, and the distribution of blessed Zamzam water at the Grand Mosque. I'm assuming that's sterilized water. Mosque. Let's just, some mysteries are best left unsolved. Um... Amazon and Google spent $7.5 million lobbying politicians in the first three months of 2021 alone. 
setting them for a pace of $30 million for 2021. Uh, in the first three months, uh, Amazon and Google broke previous records by spending nearly $8 million lobbying politicians. Well, perhaps because of these five big antitrust bills aimed directly at their throats. And after, yeah, we've got last but not least, um, what, oh, the Getter app. Uh, people are still wondering what the Getter app is and if it's coming. It's the Donald Trump app, but not as kind of silly. Uh, did we get one? Everyone's in. Everyone get their tweets in. Last call for tweets. Going once. Lung scarring. According to the BBC, a therapy made from a patient's white blood cells is being trialed by doctors in London. Let's end on that very happy note. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody wherever you happen to be. Thank you for joining Yay. us. And all and MVP. End of another week. Nicholas. Yeah, there it is. Have a great Wonderful. weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks, yeah. Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Really? See you guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Slapped by some woman for having a belly with a baby in it. Emoji. <laughs> 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 <laughs>